All right, we'll hit the record button in three, two, one, click. All right, clap sync, three, two, one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're going to be doing like a four hour podcast of uh, the vanishing of Ethan Carter. You don't want to go through every single clue individually. Yeah, I I mean, there's really not that much i mean actually there's a lot to talk about with this game but not nearly the extent that edith finch did oh definitely i agree i will say though the funniest shit about this game though straight up the best thing ever is that i looked up and let me let me like read to you guys the fucking title for this because it's that fire but after i beat this game this is the tyranny of thumbs podcast where (sighs) a bunch of us play a game each week and then talk about it yeah I'm Elena. I'm actually a guest on this podcast, but I'm doing the intro because no one else will step up. Anybody else want to say their names before McCoy launches into some some crazy shit again? That's the original. I say the original. Jesus, that's an insult. But the three musketeers are here of James, McCoy, and Zoe. Hi. <laughs> that's James. Dude, I think the three musketeers as a candy bar gets like a hundred times better if you put it in the fridge. That's McCoy. That's my hot Dude. take. <laughs> That might but be true. Quite true. And this week, we play a game called The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Zoe, do you want to tell yeah. us a little bit about oh what this game God. is? Oh, my God. is so mad. Oh. I mean, to be honest, the only reason why I recommended this game was because when I picked out What Remains of Edith Finch, the second game that came to mind immediately, maybe it's because of the title cadence, I don't know, but Probably. it was The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's another game that I think is good. But I've heard nothing about. And I went to the Steam page. I looked at the trailer and I was like, huh, looks interesting. Looks cool. I'll pick it. And then uh, I launched the game. And then the first (laughs) jump scare happened. And my immediate thought was, oh, God, poor James. (laughs) We must protect him. So we're going to have to have some conversations about the fear factor of this game. But before we get to that, although in Zoe's defense, before we get to that. Sorry, McCoy. Before we get to that, okay. um, I'm, I'm going rogue. I'm taking over the host. This is, this is my podcast now. All right. <laughs> Buckle up. I am the captain now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, but this is a game that I, the reason I'm on this podcast is because this is a game that I had looked at a couple of times. I'm like, oh, that seems interesting and cool. Like, I'd like to play that. And then obviously never did until now. But I also had no idea that it was going to be um, deeply frightening. And I screamed a couple of times. Yeah. And it was, mm. I think in classic Ethan Carter it's Ethan Carter, right? It's not Ethan Finch. It Jesus Ethan Christ. Carter, yeah. Ooh, Ethan be strong. Um, <laughs> We're going to make that mistake once or twice on definitely. this podcast. Let's just get it out of our system. <laughs> I, if, if only, see, the problem is that I don't think it goes out of our system. I think the more we say it, the more it solidifies itself. Mm-hmm. But okay. Maybe. Um, but it's funny because you were like, the second I got jump scared is the second I realized that this was going to be a problem for James. And I, we had excuse me a similar experience to that but the problem is that we had actually missed all of the jump scares god we missed by everything. walking down the track <laughs> guys this game oh made my god me you, missed the, you missed that whole we missed every we had until to go back like halfway through it. the fucking game like <laughs> oh my this god. game took us a long time to complete and it made me realize that mccoy and i like together i think that separately we're fairly intelligent people together <laughs> Wow, we <laughs> we missed everything. We got none of the clues in this game. Okay, that's Nothing not made sense. Okay, that's we barely scraped by and okay. finished it. We finished it completely by accident. McCoy just randomly got the code for the end, and it was just it was 
No. <laughs> no. That's it was no. eye-opening. No, that's not what happened, but I understand what you're trying to say. And definitely, for sure, we did... Uh, we did have moments. Okay, I would say the first high-level play you can make in this game, outside of turning around and going back to the tunnel and getting an achievement, is you can decide to write things down in your journal and take the moment. Oh, now, keep in mind, if you're sitting down, you mean and you physically write stuff in your journal, not yes. in because your there is journal. no journal in this game. Right, yeah. and in fact, you are often prompted to put things back that you would like to not. Put back. Yeah, I was like, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm taking this with me. Yes. So I think the first high-level play you can make in this game is actually pulling out a piece of paper and writing stuff down. And it becomes one of those situations where, and Elaine and I have struggled with this a lot, where you're sitting down and it's like, oh, fuck, I forgot to get my water. Well, we should go get water before we start. And it's like, eh. Mm -hmm. And that is what will kill you in this game, is if you feel like you should write down something early on, you're like, eh, maybe I don't need to. You need to. And if you want to walk all the way back to find it, you can. But that will be the punishment for you. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think we definitely found a lot of things, but I think we also found not everything a lot of the way through. And we found also, some weird... I think, found a lot of things by you wandering around in the grass for like two hours. Just waiting for that. something to happen. No, well, not right. waiting. Because here's the thing with this game. So Edith Finch was rather linear with its yeah, exploration super directed on a straight track even though the world around the house was expansive they clearly had set nature trails for you to walk they had yep. set uh pathways and then you know obviously the house helps with like hallways like actual physical barriers to keep you going in a straight path um yeah. and mm -hmm. ethan carter is different in the sense that it just kind of throws you into this world and the boundaries seem limitless. Yes. Like, Agreed. I think the first thing I did, actually the first thing I did, like McCoy said, was actually walk backwards into the tunnel to see what would happen. And yeah, you get an achievement for it. That was kind of a cool little uh, cheeky thing that they did there. Uh, but like, I, the next yeah. thing I did was just like, okay, the tracks go straight forward. I'm going to go right. And I'm walking right. And yeah. then there's that feeling in the back of your head where you're like, I feel like I'm going to lose the trail if I keep on walking further right. Mm -hmm. And then I start getting this anxiety of what if I'm going to lose my way? What if I get lost? And you just like, I think I, I find the open world concept of this game to be very interesting and cool, but also just extremely anxiety inducing just because constantly mm -hmm. I was just like, what have I missed? What yep. little thing like, you know, like they, they try to help you a little bit with interactable things by having a label that is somewhat clearly marked within the grass, but still like, regardless, I always felt like I was like, I missed something. I missed something. Yeah. I need well, to double they, back. I need a triple check back and make sure that I like really didn't see anything. Oh, absolutely. But they only show you the um, writing if you've gotten really right up fucking close to the thing and really like paid attention to it. And then after that, they'll show it to you from a mile away through like 10 pieces of glass. But until that point, it's like you look at something and you're like, I could interact with that maybe. No, probably not. And then you like step up close to it and like zoom in onto its face. And then it's like read. And you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was about to walk away from here and never come back. Yeah. And little did it's I know, so never true. come back was the exact wrong thing that would happen because I would come back nine times looking for more things. But yeah, there was definitely some 
definitely some tripling back and whatever. But and it does the very beginning of the game, I think, like to Zoe's point about this bold choice for the open world, like the very first thing that you see when you open up this game, well, because you see the menu. And when you click in from the menu and you hit play for the first mm -hmm. time, it says, and I'm going to get the line wrong, but like, this is a narrative experience that will not hold your hand. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Remember, like, looking at, like, McCoy, like, I was like, oh, I've never seen a game, like, say that to We're you. holding each other's hands, you know? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> In this moment, we, like, we hold <laughs> all the time. Um, but, like, I've never seen a game just straight up tell you that, and I can see why they felt like they needed to say that, because, boy, it does not hold your hand. No. And no. I think that you could find that to be a drawback in yeah. some cases. Yeah. This, this game actually flirts with the concept of, like, it's like, I okay, I could... I think we will ultimately have the discussion of the value of slowing down and being attentive and focusing. And I think you could even bring in a lot of concepts of like how much we've been trained by glowing objects that are impossible to miss. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And all that shit. But this game, especially when it said that at first, I was like, did you say that because you're just bad at game design? And I don't know the answer yeah. to that question, but you can definitely feel like a little offended at first playing this game being like, where was the crank? I definitely looked through the beach. And it's like, did you look through the beach? And it's like nine hours later, I come back to the beach. It's like, it fuck, gives you, there's the it crank. It gives you a fucking, it gives you a video of where exactly where the crank is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, James, we still didn't find that until like hour three. Yeah. What? And you don't, you don't need to find Whoa. it until hour three. Look, what? James. Look, yeah. I, this game, I think, will reveal a lot about our teamwork strength. And weaknesses. And okay. Weaknesses. Yeah, because Elena's on Instagram for the whole beach. I, and so I, she doesn't even mention I did not have that my, that's the rock. That's and then I'm like, accurate. is this the rock? But then I'm like, but then I am running through trying to impress. So, you know, I'm going through at a, at a blistering run pace, which is yeah. novel for all run, walking simulators. To be I was to like, oh, God, McCoy's going to take forever at this game because he's just going to insist on never pushing the run button. <laughs> no, no, he uh, ran. <laughs> I should have done that, man. But I think, I don't know if anyone else experiences too. For the first good part of this game, I, um, and I think it's a thing with walking simulators, unfortunately, in general, is I was very motion sick for a while until mm, we, like, true. figured out the right settings. Yes. Um, did you immediately increase your field of view? Is that one of the things it. that you did? We decreased well, field because, of view. So I immediately increased my field of view. Yeah. And then after about an hour, I was like, this is making me nauseous. And I returned it to the original field of view and it immediately got better. Mm. Yeah, I um, think the thing is that our sensitivity was at very high and McCoy is a Counter-Strike oh. slash Valorant pro. And so he was doing a lot of like really fast no. flicks no. and like three, you know, no. like 360 no scopes and just like a lot of corner <laughs> To peaking. be fair. You would so, think that's not relevant in this game until you enter the fucking mines I and a dude tries to kill you and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 Corner yeah, peeking right. definitely helps in that part of the game. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? But no, so just to be clear, outside uh, people who care about the motion sickness aspects of this game, we were playing on a rather large television, so I think that's a, a part of it. It's it how much of your uh, peripheral vision it can center yourself on the room that you're actually in versus the screen that you're watching. Um, but motion blur helps... Uh, turning it off specifically helps. Um, reducing your sensitivity does help because you just make sm slower movements. It's not like you're flicking with a controller, but you make slower movements. And uh, turning your crosshair on also helps. And um, I've seen some people say things. We read some forums about this because it's it. Dude, after an hour, both of us were like, well, 
I don't know if I can continue. I like, know. I was like, like I think if we take a break every 15 to 20 minutes, I can make it through this game. Yeah. I think it's a big Which, TV problem. It's also, yeah, but I, I guess say, James like, had it a little bit too. It's not all so. a knock against the game. I feel like it's common in walking simulators. Like, I had it with the beginner's guide. I just couldn't finish that game because I got motion sick. I had true, it with Dear Esther. I think it must be something about. I don't understand. I think it has to do with field but, of view um, to some degree. I do think it also has to do with. Um, with sensitivity and, and motion blur and just movements and whatever else. So I try to be really slow and like feather everything as like, as the person controlling it, like walking normal speed, but then like not looking super fast, like focusing on a target, kind of tracing it. And then you would randomly do that and zoom the in. The zoom in thing. on accident. Yeah. I fucked that up. Um, <laughs> anyway, sick, I don't but... know how we got on that topic, but that was a part of my experience. No, but that. I actually think what's really interesting about the beginning of this game is that we actually didn't solve the first, like Travis. We didn't solve Travis's murder until the very end of the game. And we actually didn't solve... Is that the guy whose legs get sawed off? Yes. So we did not solve it because the the part that we missed was put the train over the the dry grass. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes... It kind of makes sense from a gameplay standpoint of like... There's only one other thing we haven't interacted with. We've interacted with this fucking rock. We've interacted with all these legs and shit and the kerosene and whatever the fuck. And this train can go back and forth. So surely it must do something. Um, but then from like a logic perspective, I think we really struggled to get with the, like why it would help to, to place the train tracks, train on the, the whatever there. But it actually turns out you don't need to solve that until way, way, way later where they feed you this fucking line you're supposed to remember that was fresh in our minds because we solved it at the end of the game. But it's where he was we like, saw, we solved it after the end of the game. We solved it after the end of the game, where he's like, Corvus. And you're like, ah, yes, Corvus. We should write that down. Okay, um, but I feel like you just did the entire game in like 30 seconds or less. Should we throw to our resident oh. expert, Zoe, and have her like vaguely tell us what this game is? Are we going to walk through the. Right. Like, well, no, so, but I, think I, I wasn't thinking we'd walk through, but I, yeah, I do think having some context in terms of who we are as the player and what exactly uh, is the situation in which we bring ourselves into. Because we start off the game, uh, we play as this character who calls himself, you know, Investigator Paul Prospero. And, you know, he has that, you know, kind of like movie star kind of gruff voice that you know like i've been around and you know I, i've solved my fair bit of cases like you can picture him in your mind you know trench coat and like the fedora hat with the you know stovetop pipe coming out of his mouth um but like at least that's how i pictured paul prospero um, noir hmm. and yeah. uh yeah very noir and uh, all he talks about is how he gets these fan mail from a kid named ethan carter uh and ethan is telling him a lot of things that is very strange for a, a boy his age to know. And then one day he stops receiving letters from Ethan and he learns that Ethan has gone missing, essentially. And so he has come to this, I don't know if it's a fictional town or not, actually. Um, what is it? The Red... Red... Uh, I don't know if I can remember Creek? Yes, something like that. Um, Jesus, I should know this. I'm sorry. I'm just willing um, to say that no one gives a fuck. Um, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's, it's Somewhere in Wisconsin, with uh, some pretty 
forests and mountains and a dam. Yeah. yeah. It's a no, very blue collar area is what I describe. Sure. Very sure. rustic, very rural, very vacant in our yes. world. Um, yeah. Like a uh, rust belt type situation. A, a dead rust belt town is how I would yeah. describe it. Um, and, and certainly enough, I think even Paul Prosper comments how it's just, you know, trains used to come into this town every day and then suddenly the train stopped the train stopped being used and this town essentially just fell to ruin and filth. Uh, it used to be a mining town, but then a mining accident leads to the collapse of the wealthiest family's estate in that town, thus killing the town. Um, so Paul Prospero then is his main mission is to find Ethan Carter. Um, but along the way, he stumbles across remains of dead bodies, which he then uses a kind of like sixth sense kind of piecing together mechanic uh, to figure out what has occurred in that scene prior to him arriving. Hmm. Um, kind of like a witcher so, sense. <laughs> yeah, like the witcher sense, the sixth sense. Uh, yeah. Or the yeah. thing from um, all the other games. Yeah. Every single one of them. Oberdin. <laughs> yeah, like Oberdin. It is kind of Oberdin-esque where you like, need to find enough clues well, until... Although in Oberdin, it is you locking in your answers. And in this case, it is the game saying like, yep, you know enough. And I'm like, wait, I don't feel like I understand anything. And it's like, no, no, yeah. you yeah. know enough. Well, I will say like, I actually think if we, we take a million steps back just for a minute intellectually, like I think the comparison of the trailer and the way this game was sold to Oberdin is a huge reason why it made its way on its list. Cause it's like a mystery sort of solve the murder sort of game. Mm -hmm. And it was like, cool. Motherfuckers could use another Oberdin up in this, you know, like, cause yeah. you know, Oberdin was awesome as hell. Um, and it is amazing to play this game after Oberdin. Right. And I know they're not trying to go for the same thing. Um, but still like, do you guys even think murder mystery is like, the tone of this game like this is this very strange unique thing that i'm not even sure if the murder mystery aspect of it really is the core of it i know it's a it, lot of what yeah. you do it pantomimes it's... as a murder mystery i think i think it likes to lead you into a sense of thinking it is one mm -hmm. i think that kind of along the lines of edith finch which is i mean i would say that edith finch is in the like genre of um pacific north weird right um, which is like weird shit happens in the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. um, uh, Twin Peaks, et cetera. Um, the, it's kind of like got its own strange mythos. Um, I feel like this, out there. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like this game kind of fits into that category as well, despite not being set in the Pacific Northwest, you know? Um, it's just, like, weird, culty uh, situation um, that involves murder that I guess you figure out or, you know, rub yeah, everything right. against everything else until the game says you figured it out. 
There's right, not and, a lot of things to rub in this game if you're going to do that strategy. That's <laughs> yeah. the main thing, though. It's like it's this weird culty part because, uh, like, the first murder that you come across is Travis, whose legs are severed by an oncoming rail car. Uh, you piece it all together, and to me, I at first was approaching this being like, okay, this is just you know like foul, like not foul play, but like this is just you know grudges gone sour. Uh, a guy is tied to a trail uh, train track and gets his legs severed off. And so you'll piece together the scene and you actually get to then choose to you, you unlock certain fragments of a single scene and you have to chronologically put them together in what you think seems fit. Um, I have my yeah. own qualms about how the chronological thing works in this game. Uh, the game's rather forgiving, though, in that it just honestly like has you try to put scenes in an order and if you're wrong it will just put you back to the beginning so you just mm -hmm. have to shuffle some numbers around uh, until it fits mm -hmm. um and so the part that kind of got me though like this very first scene is that suddenly these people that you know it's it does seem like there's like this you know family strife and everything but then they're talking about oh like the sleeper must uh must awaken and mm -hmm. The first thing that flashed into my head was, oh, no, this is the council. <laughs> I got really scared Demons. that this game was just going to pull some demon shit on us. Like, oh. just try to be confusing for the sake of being confusing. Uh, and it just kind of be this, like, jumbled, put together, just weird culty stuff. And honestly, it kind of looks that way for a while. Uh, playing this where I was just like how is this all going to end up making sense or how is all of this weird cult sleeper infiltrating my brain and controlling my body like how is this all going to end up like making sense in the end uh, and I, I do think they do a good job at I guess remediating that in the end which we can talk about later uh, but Jesus that was like my first fear though yeah. Uh, was the Plus, fact that you're you're just like, oh, I just wanted a murder mystery. Like we're, we're bringing cult shit into this. Like we're we're bringing like the supernatural. Uh, yeah. Well, it's supernatural. Like, yeah. If we talk about so, like, yeah, I personally um, fucking love the supernatural, <laughs> and I don't have the same adverse reaction when everyone else does. But I, but if we think about what we talked about uh, last time with um, Edith Finch, thank you. Um, there was this like topic of like is it going to go all the way into just fucking ludicrous bullshit or not? And I personally don't see it that way. I love games that go into ludicrous bullshit, but I totally get when people are like, I don't know if I want this game to just go full supernatural. And this game starts in a way that feels like it might just be full supernatural in a way that I, I could definitely see multiple people on here, like just immediately holding back the ability to roll their eyes, you know, just like, <laughs> okay, okay. Well, yeah, there's like, there's an interesting difference between like this the scenery i guess like the environment of this game which is very beautiful and very kind of like muted colors and big forests and mountains and kind of run down towns which is like it's all very like down to earth like it's earth stuff it's normal mm. and then it's relatable yeah yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very like relatable yeah. and then yeah it's always right like it just starts to get increasingly more bizarre and supernatural of like the events that you are seeing inside the world like the right. one that really made me uh, not not lose it but i was just like what is happening is the alien 
yeah. type dude. Or not, he's not an alien, but he's like a space guy. Like, you're out in the middle of this field, and you press some buttons, and all of a sudden, there's just a dude in a spacesuit who yeah. you're chasing. And then, like, yeah. a space bubble comes yeah. down and beams him up, and then you are... Can the... we talk about yeah. th- that guy's pathing through the, the wilderness? Yeah, he, like, does a little loop <laughs> because... in the there. Because I was really frustrated by that guy's pathing. He literally runs in a circle and then runs the way I was facing to begin with. Like, he ran away from where I was, like, in a massive circle and then, like, ran 50 feet forward from where I was before. And it's like, you got to the end. And I was like, uh, I was here before. (laughs) Yes. It's actually a little funny that, like, this... I could see how literally everyone else on this podcast, this could be the point of this game that they felt like, or like as it gets into Supernatural, maybe in your own different unique Mm -hmm. points, you felt maybe it was too much. To me, the Supernatural was not something that that triggered me to get into like the whole like, I don't know if this is going to go far or like go, I guess it's going to go too far. But what actually happened to me was when they started just doing the fucking, I'm a Harry Potter, like you're like... Do you remember, like, you know, Harry Potter's fucking, I don't even know, like, the relationship. But, you know, he okay. has, like, what, it's, like, his uncle, then the son, right? Who's the guy who's, like, he's such a jerk to him all the time. You know what I'm saying? And Dudley. they have to live in the same house. Dudley. Dudley, yeah, Dudley. Dursley. It's, like, that. His when cousin. they started doing the, like, we have Dudley Dursleys all over this place because this is our opinion of what British people are in the countryside or something. That That is where I was, like, oh, no. No. Oh, no. That that was the too far point to be was like, oh, no, it's going to be just Dudleys everywhere, isn't it? They're just going to be because if you're like open... little kid, like it's a trope of like little kid with a family who's mean to him and doesn't understand him. Is that what you mean? Well, I mean, have you ever played the game Bully? It was made by no. Rockstar, the people who made Grand Theft Auto. I have not. Played so that game. look at a fucking trailer for Bully. It's basically what if Dudley was a prefect and he bullied you is basically like the premise of that game. And it's just it's just funny to me because. Like, I just, I sit there and everyone else is like, we went, we shot into space. That was weird. And I was like, that was awesome. But the way that they're portraying the characters in this game as being just like sort of strangely aggressive and mean British people is that that's what's getting me. I don't know where you're getting British from. Yeah, I was also looking at being like, I don't know where. It's the Dudley thing, man. The Dudley comparison is too strong. It's that. I mean, like, at least with the space guy, the thing was, I, at first, like, I, I think the uh, those are the parts of the game that I actually enjoyed the most because they got remediated actually very quickly. You know, you, you mm. do chase mm-hmm. a space dude for a while and then you shoot up into space. And of course, my mind is going, where the... F-? like." Yeah. When when we shot up into space, I was like, yeah. I did not expect the game to do this. Jesus, yeah. is this like an abduction story? Like, where is this going? And then it brings you back down to Earth and you realize, uh, you know, you, you get out of the vision you find yourself in a makeshift uh, treehouse that's shaped like a spaceship. You find yeah. a spaceship comic book or whatever uh, in the treehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also find uh, a short story written by Ethan Carter uh, about essentially what you just experienced. You know, you, you, yeah. the story is about a beast who chases a light through the forest and then he gets beamed up into into space. And, and that was the third of those that I that I found at least. Yeah, yes. that's on the order. I mean, I don't think that there is an order because I think that was we found that one fairly late. But again, we mm-hmm. missed like most of the beginning stuff and kind of just so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the first one that I found was the traps 
um, mm-hmm. where I was like, oh God, what what is this game? Uh, Oof, that's an unfortunate <laughs> one for you to find first. Like, yeah, literally, literally the first thing I did what, when I got into the game was I looked at the path and I was like, okay, this is a game about finding clues in the world. So I veered to the right off the path to see where the bounds of the world was. And then a trap jump scared me. <laughs> yep. And I was like, fuck! <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to try and not be scared and find all of these traps. Because I, I guess I found another one. Um, and then I realized I, I found them all and got the story about the like weird old man that eats sap. Yeah. Um, which and then also burns his house down. shows, yeah. And burns his house down. And, um, and then there were a lot of like charred corpses yeah. arrayed mm-hmm. yes, across were. the ground. Uh, that then disappear, and you find out that it's just a story by Ethan. But also, you have some context about uh, at, at this point about the um, the kind of manor house burning down. Yeah. Um, so clearly, uh, to me, I was like, okay, this is a reaction to that by this child, um, and um, and then he there's like some dialogue where he talks about like this is a story about my grandpa or something like that mm-hmm. which right. is like okay well okay got it yeah context um and then you go to the house that burns down um and then there's the like door puzzle which was interesting yes. okay yes so that was the first thing that we solved was the okay. door puzzle no no no, no. Oh wait, wait, wait. Did you figure out that it was it was a mirror Let's... for the other building? Okay, no. so you mean the the room puzzle, not to be confused with the like basement door puzzle later at the end of the game. Yeah, no, this is the okay. the room puzzle in the burned down house. Okay, so did we figure out that it was relevant? Uh, it was related to the other room. Uh, no, there. So there's two buildings. Like when you first go across the bridge, there's two buildings that you can go into. Yeah, one of them has the door puzzle. The other one is the building that you're solving with the door puzzle. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, no, we brute force. Uh, our I didn't way figure that. that out either until I solved the, the puzzle. But, but I wouldn't say yeah. brute force. It was deductive reasoning. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error yeah, and then remembering yeah, what you figured yeah. out. Yeah. But and, it's also and like, like looking at the windows and the walls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That but first you have to figure out what the fuck about. is happening. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I was upset I, about I, solved it probably the in the way door. that you're supposed to solve it and that well i i first tried to brute force a lot of that door puzzle but to be honest i'm gonna be real with you i did not know what was happening like i was like <laughs> i'm going through portals yeah. there's yeah. flashes of red i go back to the beginning okay like yeah. maybe there's some sort of like deductive reasoning so like i think the first thing i did was like when you first start there's like this lampshade in front of you so i swapped the room to also reflect the same lampshade because i'm like oh maybe they're mirrors of each other and i went to do that and that failed so finally i was just like you know what fuck it this is an open world game i'm just gonna come to this later and mm. i left and went to the house next door and then i entered the foyer and it's like that lampshade and i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> so that i like so you literally figured like, it out pulled the out, right way i pulled out my journal and drew a whole map of the house with like you know like this one has a pallet leaned up against the window this room mm-hmm. blah 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 like <laughs> yeah 
See, and I Damn. feel like what Zoe really did right there is that she took out her journal and she wrote stuff down, yeah. which we didn't realize yeah. early enough that like we should have. Well, been I kept doing. saying it. I kept being like, "Hey, Lena, can you write this down?" You're like, "No, we're fine." And I was like, "Oh." I just didn't. In my mind, like, Lena, can you just take a picture be... of this with your phone? She's like, "No, we'll be." I'm like, "Do we?" Really McCoy, you have both the capacity to write and take pictures Thank with you, your phone. I know, but what's what gets me about that? You're not wrong. But what gets me about that scenario is like I'm sitting here like manning the controls of the game and I'm like, hey, so you're going to be on journal duty, right? And she's like, yeah, great. So we don't need to. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> hold on. I don't know that I like the narrative that it was all me. I don't think either of us realized it for a little while. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I just well, I did. Okay, wait, hold on. Just to be very fair. Just to be very fair. I did say the words and these were the wrong words. And so this could have thrown people off the scent, but... I said, hey, Lena, can you screenshot this? And she, she basically said, matter-of-factly, no, I can't. That's what you can do because you're manning the controllers. And I was like, oh, I meant take a picture with your phone. And it's like, that was not specific. So I think that was part of the miscommunication that, that led to just a true travesty of like, <laughs> oh, no, what was that guy's name? Do you think his uh, initials could yeah. be the answer to this door? Oh, fuck. Okay, so that note uh, was... I think it was here... <laughs> Um, yeah. But but actually though I think it led to a lot of retracing because like you know at least in our playthrough we didn't solve the first mystery or maybe even the second mystery we didn't solve any no no, of no them. that's not true okay it's not that we didn't solve any of them oh I guess we the, solved I guess plenty of them in fact we the solved all the essential the ones second. in fact we beat the game without having solved Travis or the, the mother or the one or... in the crypt. No, 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 we saw, wait, which one's, which one, which one's the one in the crypt? We hadn't done the guy in the crypt yet, the Who's uncle. Who's the guy in the crypt? The uncle. Oh, that crypt. The, 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 the. You didn't do that one? No. In the church? Yeah, no, outside we didn't the do church. Yeah, in, in, in the church. Outside the church. Tombstone. No, so really, like, we oh. only did two murders. We only solved two murders before. Okay, so I'm going to make a confession. Mm -hmm. I did, I did the guy outside the church, and then I went to the mines. Mm-hmm. And then I got scared and stopped playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, James, like I, I, I don't blame you because okay, I, like this is this is the big elephant in the room, right? This fact that this game ended up kind of being scary, uh, not even just the jump scares with the traps, uh, but there is a section of this game where you go down into yeah. the mines, and a part yeah. of the puzzle is where this ghost miner like hunts you down and you have to avoid it while collecting yeah. clues for a puzzle. Yeah. And first of all, I will apologize, James. I had no idea. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, well, so like, I, I is, had, I had fun giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, I understand. The Discord was like, fucking alive when James started playing this game. Mm -hmm. He just like quoted like, wait, a horror game from 2014? <laughs> this is what you chose? It's <laughs> my line of reasoning with that, yeah. right? So I, I hear horror game and I started playing it, and instantly I got Dear Esther vibes, where Dear yeah. Esther is also considered to be a, in some cases, a horror game, just because mm. there is this weird, unsettling feeling. And indeed, I think one thing this game does really good is very atmospheric, unsettled, uh, yeah, just an unsettled atmosphere as you're going around investigating these murders. At least I felt that way. Because there's, there's very minimal orchestral music, but otherwise you just hear just, like, the trees, and then you'll hear a bird now and again. But, like, it's done at this kind of masterful pace where, like, a bird caws, and, like, you're 
camera just kind of snaps because you're like, oh, geez, what was that? Like, hell, even like just a text forming on the ground to be like clue would startle me because I was just like, oh, God, mm. there's something there. Yeah. Um, which I thought they did so well. And I really wish that they just kept rolling with that atmosphere. And so going down to the mines, I was like, oh, they're not going to do this shit, are mm -hmm. they? And like, sure enough, like, they sure do. I run they into the haunted yeah. miner who then does a really corny, just grabs you, does some rah, and then it teleports you back to the start of this maze that you're supposed to be navigating through. It's and I was just a kind jump of like, scare, though. It, it, it is a jump scare because it's terrifying. But also, I was just kind of put off by it because I was yeah. like, really, like you were masterfully creating this tense atmosphere with nothing happening, much like Dear yeah. Esther did. Although mm -hmm. Dear Esther succeeded with never giving you anything scary. It was just unsettling the whole way through, but zero payoff in the sense that it just never gave you a jump scare. Right. right. And I just felt right. like this game was building up all of that tension. And then suddenly it was like kind of exacerbated in this like in this puzzle. And then it went back to being like, oh, but everything's unsettling. But like after yeah. that puzzle, I was just like, well, pff, I can sail through the rest of this game. Like nothing will be as scary as that mine right there. Like and that's probably I, true. But I was a little bit bummed by that because yeah, well, I was so just like, oh, you were doing so well with the eerie atmosphere and now there's ghosts <laughs> so i think it's actually right. something that probably they didn't they didn't learn properly from dear esther which is like i i think of it as a about whether or not you can die in these sorts of walking simulators or not mm -hmm. and you actually can die in dear esther you can like fall through that hole or you can i like, think walk into the beach and or the water and yeah die. i think you can walk into the water uh, and die yeah. too but like for the most part, you can't die, and death is not scary. It's just like a reset point. But they talk about it in some of their uh, dev diaries when you mm -hmm. walk through Dear Esther, where they say, like, we had to figure out whether you could die or not in this game. And they're trying to hint at this idea of, like, actually, I think it's better in walking simulators if you can't die. Um, is kind of what they're trying to say in those mm -hmm. dev diaries. Is they're like, uh, what's the purpose of death, really, in these sorts of games? And I think it shows you in this particular game, in the mines, when you die, it destroys the tension as opposed to builds it or whatever, right? It it just yeah. it actually just goes what the f what the fuck what was that? I don't know if it destroy. I don't know if I agree that destroying the tension because totally. I think that so the we missed the traps at the beginning. So that mine was the first yeah. scary part that we found. Um, I walked up to that guy to fucking give him a hug. Like, what do you have to say to me? <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey, what's yeah, up? me too. And then uh, then he jumped at you and grabbed you, and I screamed pretty loud, and you were a little bit upset about that. Oh, yeah, because the game scared was, me yeah. X amount, but you screaming <laughs> to the high heavens scared me 10 times over. Yeah. So it was like this double reaction of like, whoa, oh, that was kind of freaky. And then it's like, look over at Elena. And she's like, oh, my fucking God. It's just like, and then you hear that. And then I like, it's just like, I, yeah, that sounds it's like, like my Elena. whole, yeah, that was exactly yeah. her. Um, but you know, yeah. it's like, you know what I'm saying? When like, when, when you're startled a little, but then someone else next to you jumps and your body does this subconscious read of like, I was scared six out of 10 by this, but the person next to me is scared 10 out of 10 by this. So should I elevate my yeah. frighten to a yeah. nine so that we can both live? Do you know what I mean? From this, Yo, like... that's for real. That's a thing that happens, I'm, I yes. swear. Yeah. God damn so, um, But I think like after you run into that guy, for me, like the tension level of the game skyrocketed because I was like, well, there are probably going to be more jump scares now. And sure enough, when we finally found those traps, there was another one. 
And finally, by like the third or fourth trap, I was like, okay, I know there's a trap coming. I'm going to be okay. Um, but like I, that whole mind section for me was like very gripping, I guess, because I was just waiting for something terrible to happen again. But see, that's like a different right. type of engagement. It's yeah, like I didn't scared. like it. Yeah, it's like it's like um, afraid of the retaliation. It's, it's like afraid of retaliation. The retaliation in this case would be like the game slapping you and being like, be scared. Whereas I don't think the rest of the game sets that up. I think instead the rest of that game sets up more the atmospheric unsettlement, but also mm -hmm. wonder at the same time that propels you forward. Like, oh, cool. What is going on here? This is really uncomfortable and wrong and evil, but it doesn't feel like I'm in danger. It just feels like I'm an observer and I'm excited to see what I'll see. And those sections were more like, I'm going to slap you across the face with fear. You're going to have to accept that. And that's how I feel about a lot of scary movies, too. And some people love that shit, you know? Some people are like, dude, slap me across the face with fear. That's exactly what I want you to do. And I have never understood that. <laughs> and I don't think I yeah. ever will. Like, what? Yeah. why? Yeah. Why? It feels... Like, okay, I one time had a discussion with this guy at a party, okay? You know? It was a game development party. I'm not a game developer, but I went because apparently I'm just that hipster. Um, it was actually a friend of mine who was there and he was like, hey, you want to join? And I was like, sure. So I just like started interviewing people randomly. And this one guy was like, you know, I used to, th you know, be so impressed by video games. You know, they were so cool. Like the levels, they were just like the way I would walk around corners, like amazing things would happen. And I was never, I never understood what was happening. I was always surprised. But, you know, he's like, but now I'm a level designer. When I walk through a room and I notice that I walk up to a corner and there's a guy in the close right uh, angle and he just jumps out, I think, you know, someone had to put that there. You know, and I think that's really cool. And I think it's really interesting. And he, he said to me, that's a, an instance of really cool game design because that guy put that there and it scared me. And I was like, cool, so I'll never play a game you make because that's the fucking worst game design I've ever heard in my fucking life. Um, you mean there's a close right and someone just jumped out and scared you? You think you're clever? <laughs> that's just a scary game. And I think this game does devolve a little bit into into that sort of thing where it's like, gotcha, scary. And I, I, and I think that really does it a disservice because I think it was really building something truly special before that and after, for that matter, that it yeah, sort of I, dipped in. You know what I'm saying? I, I definitely feel like it, it I mean, as, as a non-enjoyer of scary games, um, I do feel like this game was cool until until they decided to go with, like... Like, even, like, the weird, like, Corvid cult. Uh, Corvid being the scientific name for Crow. Mm. Um, okay. <clears throat> like, even with the weird Crow cult uh, stuff that was, like, vaguely disturbing and, like, totally over the top. Um, like, they didn't need to... I, I don't know. I, I felt like they were they were couching it enough in this one boy's like weird stories that 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 felt like the way the game was going. And I was about that. And then they they changed it up and in a way that felt unnecessary and un, uninteresting to me. Mm -hmm. it, it felt um, cheap. Like that, that's yeah. honestly how I yeah. can describe that, where it's just, it's a cheap jump scare where it's like, oh, you apparate in front of me, grab me, warp me back to the start. And so actually yeah. like to me, what it reminded me of, it, it felt very much like Friday night at Freddy's or five, night, five nights five at Freddy's. Nights. 
Have um, you played that? No, I haven't. But this game came out in 2014, which was the same year that Five Nights at Freddy's came out. And granted, I do think FNAF came out one month before this game did. So I don't think this game got influenced by that. But I'm wondering if there was something about the gaming space in that era that was calling for those types of scary games. Cause you know, this is coming off the back of like amnesia and mm-hmm. uh, like those kind of scary games were kind of starting to create a headway in the game space. And so amnesia came out in me- 2010. Right. So, amnesia came out in 2010. Yeah. So like there was that to come off of, and yeah, then then Friday Night at Freddy's came out, and that's like kind of a similar style, though, of like peeking around corners and just trying to avoid the bad thing, which was very much like what this puzzle was. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I just found it to just be, yeah, it, it just felt very cheap. And so therefore I got disappointed because I just thought their atmospheric storytelling up until that point was mm-hmm quite masterful just in the tension that was building but like the kind of security i felt of being in the sunshine in a familiar kind of setting um sure there's this weird culty stuff going on but it's happening in these apparitions that are like that are separate from me as a player like i as a player never felt threatened as i'm piecing together a crime scene because i'm separate from what's going on Mm -hmm. uh but then the moment they kind of challenged the main characters, I guess, rough quotes, mortality by just warping us back to the start. I was just like, "Ugh, really? <laughs> like, I don't want this. So would you say, though, that like, because I feel like you're setting up the case that like the intrigue of this game and like the world building and all that that they had, just the general atmosphere is like really strong. And then they kind of drop it here. But, like, if we take that further, would it be fair to say that they drop it more towards the later end of this game? Like, how do you feel it resolves? Like, if you you take this as a hiccup along the path of what you were saying was almost masterful atmosphere, do you think they execute on that masterful atmosphere after this point and to the end? Or do you feel like it broke you too hard or they just started to go into places you didn't want to go. Like, like, how do you feel like it resolves there? Like, do you think I, it I was able to, to recover and I really like the ending to this game. I have a whole, I have my whole uh, red thread analysis board of the narrative mm. ending. So oh, I'm, I'm so excited, excited for to that. let you guys know about that. But, um, mm. but I, I actually really liked how this game resolved itself. Um, mm. And so See, this kind of incident with the, with the minor puzzle which is kind of like a like minor annoyance in a way, but then I was able to recover and get back into it enough to openly embrace the end of the story and then really delve into playing it a second time and you know really getting into all of the the symbols and the hints that this game gives. Um, See, this seems like. I don't know, I'm excited to hear Zoe's analysis because I really didn't like the ending of this game, but I also think that like, for for whatever reason, we don't have to say it because we're of our intelligence, but uh, McCoy and I did not oh, necessarily understand this game or the clues being presented to us, and we had not necessarily 
completed a lot of the game by the time the game let us end the game, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, we hadn't solved right. all the murders. We really hadn't. We'd only I solved like two. Um, while being a very smart person, McCoy has a natural ability to avoid solving puzzles. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dude, and I don't know. It, this one just, like, a lot. We can talk about, just, like, the puzzle design in this. A lot of them just really did not click for I was just like staring at them like I don't understand so anyways uh, for me I thought the end of this game was like a really a cop-out and I didn't get it but so I'm, I'm curious maybe I don't know if we want to jump there or not but I'm excited to hear Zoe's analysis as someone who it sounds like understood the game more <laughs> and see <laughs> if my dislike of the ending was based on like just how much information I had or if it's just I don't like it I don't know well I, I think that's it you you bring up an important part though and, and we can touch on this i guess before i get into like the narrative aspect but like this game is open world and as a result as you've said like a lot of what you can complete before you reach the end game mm -hmm. is optional yep. most of it is i i do think you mm -hmm. need to solve one murder scene to get through a locked door which will then mm -hmm. allow you to progress further into the map um but for the most part, a lot of what you come across, you can you can choose to solve it if you want to. You can choose to experience it. But it's not like it's not like the map is revealed in stages where it's like you must solve this murder before this rock pile lifts up and allows you to go through. Like you can like you guys did, like you can honestly just surpass the first murder scene and continue onwards. Um which I find just rather interesting that they allowed that or that like each murder scene, like I was surprised that each murder scene didn't allow you a key to get to the next part. Like yeah. they kind of do it in dialogue slightly in yeah, that, like if dialogue. you solve the, uh, the first if one. you solve the church puzzle, like I think Ethan hints being like, I'm going to go into the mines through mm -hmm. the tunnel next to the right. gate. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but also, also Corvus, you can though, just the word that solves the like one of yeah. the final puzzles is in like the first murder scene. Yeah. If mm -hmm. you remember it, you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, he also says Corvus like right before you attempt that last puzzle anyway, I suppose. Yeah, we didn't catch that. Um, no, but it's interesting <laughs> because I don't know if this, I don't know if this changes throughout the game, but when we beat the game, there's a scene where uh, Ethan has drawn on the walls of the basement mm -hmm. uh, the map and all the different things, and they cross them off one at a time based on what you've solved. And actually, when we beat the game, we had crossed off all of those sections. So it felt like we had done all of... And I don't yeah. know if that changes. Like if it but just... I think that... Sorry, go ahead. I, I, just, I was just saying, I don't know if it changes based on what you've done or haven't done, but it felt like there was a necessary through line. I think it's... I think it's more than you guys are saying. I think it's like 70% you have to do. I also think it had... I think the things that were on... Ethan's wall were the stories that he had written and so those were more of like what we were talking about earlier like the events in the game so the spaceman and the traps and um the, the underwater yeah mm -hmm. like all of those stories so I think the to finish my impression of it and I don't know if it's right but my impression was that to finish the game you needed to have collected well I don't know if you needed to have but like the, what it's crossing off for you is the stories that you've collected and not the murders that you've solved so when we walked in, we had done all of the events. So we'd done all of it. We'd found all of his stories in the world. Um, but we had not solved the murders. 
if that makes. So I think they're like they're two different things well, we'd solve going. We had served we had solved some of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was hanging. But there are two different things happening in this world, right? So in the world, there are Ethan's stories that have these bizarre kind of super supernatural events tied to them, and then mm-hmm. there are these murder mysteries that you're trying to solve as what's his face, the detective, Paul Prospero. Paul Prospero. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And in fact, there's a very weird delineation between them when you start yeah. to see the differences in reality that it feels like, did this actually happen or not? Even close to how it was portrayed. Um, you know, with all the, the sleepers and stuff like that. You're like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem like what happened when I actually got the full reveal. Um, but yeah, like, there's a lot of stuff you can waltz through in this game and your conclusion can be, well, I will learn more about this later. Mm-hmm. And... I think in one instance that might be true. You learn about it later. But for the most part, no, it's actually there. You just have to slow down and actually find it and actually look. And we tried pretty hard, but, you know, there's a there's a lot of attention to detail that this game asks you to put into it and a lot of remembering where you've gone and where you haven't gone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more daunting as the game starts. And by the end, once I had submitted myself to, I don't mind if I run back, like, I don't mind if I go all the way back to the start and back in front again. Like, I'm just, I just need to get that piece of information. Then all of a sudden it becomes manageable and you start to recognize that this world is not so big. It might be long. You know, it might take a little while to run from left to right of it, but it's not so big. Um, especially when you unlock the hilarious uh, shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> the elevators and such. Um, dark Souls. I know, it really yeah, did feel like it's super too. Dark Souls. By the way, there's also a... Uh, section of the main theme of ethan carter that you can hear that sounds so much like the firelink shrine music it's actually crazy yeah we had to stop him mccoy played them side by side and he's right they do sound very similar it's it's like the exact same little musical bar there and it's fucking crazy but yeah there's like, sharp... like the concept though like kind of also building off of that like i don't know if the game developers were heavily influenced by dark souls but one thing i really liked in this open world concept was the fact that everywhere you looked was accessible somewhat so like when you start off the game and you look out and you see that dam the bridge Mm -hmm. over the dam you're like oh that's gorgeous well guess what you can actually make your way over there and walk across that section and then you can be on the bridge and look back and find you know the first train bridge that you first crossed like far away which i thought was Mm. just kind of like it wasn't necessary but it was just kind of a cool thing of like wow like i've been there like i know where Mm -hmm. that is oh especially like when you're on the top of the dam and you look down at that town below and it feels very interesting and you can go down there you know it's like that sort of stuff it just feels like it really connects um beautifully and, and, of course, they do have shortcuts, which are hilarious. There's, like, literally an elevator shortcut right in yeah. the middle. That's just, like, it just makes me laugh. Um, you find that, like, early on, and you're like, oh, I bet this is how I get back up from down there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except that, like, you better be sure you manage that shortcut well because you can't call it from the top no matter, even if you've unlocked it. You know, you can't, like, kick the ladder down, and now you're good from both sides. No, fuck you. It had better be up here if you come here, or else you're going down through the caves again. Um, but yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, this game, it's really, it really, really, really asks you to slow down and pay attention. Really, really asks that. Yeah, of you. and I, I don't know. I'm curious what other people experience. To me, 
some of these puzzles slash a lot of these puzzles seemed fairly obtuse. Um, that could have just been like the state that we were in as we were trying to solve them. Maybe our brainwaves aren't like on the same way. Why are you gonna loop me so, into this? Because <laughs> so we were trying to solve um, them together, and we really struggled. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I only solved a few of the puzzles. Um, like the one in the mines, mm-hmm. I was. I was certain how to solve it. I just needed to find all the corpses. And when I found one of them and he attacked me, I was like, you know what? I think I'm good. <laughs> but, Never um, mind. I was like, oh, this is going to be one of the clues for the, oh, fuck. Well, fuck this game. Um, yeah. But, like, it was pretty clear how to solve that. You just needed to find all the corpses and then go in and, like, look at what symbols they associate, each each one associates with um, spoilers for the game. But you're here yeah, for yeah. that. Screw it. Um, yep. And um, I mean, the like with the doors, it took me a little while to figure that out. Um, but I figured it out. Um, yeah, I guess those ones were okay to me. Well, okay. The, to be, I mean, be honest, the yeah. spaceman isn't a puzzle. It the puzzle was, is yeah, follow weird. the man. Occasionally, um, he does like disappear behind some brush, and you're like, ooh. Right. Yeah. So you have to run right forward. Here. But what about James, yeah. like, lining up the um, the train with the dry grass? Oh, like, yeah. Did you I, figure that like, out fairly easily? I, I was like, maybe I should do this, but it doesn't make any logical sense as to why you would have to. So I, like, vaguely tried, and I don't think I did. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just leave. Um, I, like... I moved it back to, like, close to that area, but I don't think I nailed it exactly, and I didn't try. Yeah. Um, it's a little generous with it. I mean, yeah. I just, all I did with that was I was like, well, it says the words rail car, like, in this area. I'm just going to yeah. park over the words. After we had Googled yeah. it, we noticed tone. that, and we are like, oh, that's what we're supposed I, to like, do. I, like, vaguely tried to do that, but I didn't check my work, so I probably missed. Um <laughs> Dude, and, the, but the, um, okay, this is all well and good, but the real shit that got to me was uh, in the caves. Mm-hmm. There's a second rail car-esque thing, and I rammed the rocks at what I assumed to be full speed, and it, it made zero, like, movement, like it was going to move at all, and so I disregarded that for the rest of the whole run, only to realize that I needed to back up all the way to the wall and then smash it. Like, I, I hit it yeah, at, like, after we pretty beat much the game. what you have to do? Yes. Yeah, after we beat the game, we Googled it, and I was like, oh, you're supposed to hit the rocks. And you're like, well, we Because I that, did but... that. I just yes, did it. Too. I just did it randomly by accident. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I guess I'll go all the way forward. Oh, that's a wall. Well, time to go all the way back. Um, <laughs> but I think this game does worked. tell you something very clearly, and it's... It's something that you need to pay attention to that you just need to pay attention to. It's it's like it's like it doesn't it's not doesn't care about how you feel about it, which is that you've you have like one thing that you can manipulate here that does something that you haven't figured out what it does. So shut the fuck up and figure it out. Like, yeah. And and that's the same thing with why does this train move? I have no idea why the train moves. Why does when I uh tighten this valve it changes the Mm -hmm. flow of the water in this back area but like why does it do that and so So did you guys not solve the sorry i want to keep on things i actually did for one more second sure sure. um the church outside the church Mm -hmm. you guys didn't solve that one 
Or you did? We got very close, but didn't solve it until after we'd finished the game and I had Googled oh, it. So Basically, you what happened was. No, 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 we didn't Google it that for that one. We did actually. Oh, yeah, we find actually it, just stumbled upon yeah. it, but not until after we'd beaten the game. We basically just missed one of the clues in the environment. So we oh, had the done. Oh, the one that's just randomly out there? The, we actually missed the, the stump with blood on it, yeah. which is like a pretty embarrassing oh. thing to miss. Um, we just like we had like looked all over the place. We well, must have gone back actually, to that church like three or four times at the, least. But we but just never saw that. What actually happened was a, commu- uh, a miscommunication and a misunderstanding of the game's language that it uses. Because, for instance, we had because we skipped so many not skipped, but because we found there was a precedent set in the Travis murder that maybe we were going to have to come back with more information. Mm-hmm. Maybe we we're going to find a family picture later in a, in a, in an abandoned building. And that was going to solve that murder. Now we didn't know that we had in fact just purely missed something. So we thought there was going to be later information that was going to come back. And it was going to be one of those like retrace your step scenarios. So then if that's the assumption you're running under, we actually were solving a lot of, uh, puzzles at the same time by not being right. 100% sure that we were uh, done with them yet and thought maybe there was something later. So a good example of the game confusing us from a language perspective, which was our bad of reading it, was you want to find the pickaxe for the mom's murder, and you know it's somewhere in the dark. And so you then, from a previous puzzle, get a lantern from the church, and there's a point where you go up to the puzzle for the sarcophagus and it says fix the lantern and what it means by fix is put it back in the environment so that the murder can make sense so you can put the pieces back just as you would the pickaxe if you found it but we were thinking i put this lantern back on mm-hmm. this thing to fix it now all i need to do is find more pieces of this no, lantern like, oh, yeah, and we'll get there a was light gasoline. source let's go back and try and get the I gasoline totally, yeah oh. yeah i totally agree that that i think that that um language i mean that well, that whole choice of puzzle mechanic, I disliked um, just in general of like put this broken lantern back on the stump next mm-hmm. to other pieces of broken lantern. Okay, you're done with the lantern. You never right. use the lantern again. Right. Was just weird to me. And like find the the bloody stump in order to find a knife that you then jam into the stump and that's all you do with it was just not i don't know it just doesn't vibe with me with my brain of like solving a murder you know what i mean um and and even if the solving of the murder takes place in a weird like looking back at the past type situation that whole like setting up the situation by doing these random things that don't matter for the actually exploring the murder was just felt weird and obtuse to me mm-hmm. um, and basically yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, it's just, I guess, a fault of just the open ended nature of how you can discover things. Right. Mm. Like I felt like at least with the church puzzle, I think they intended First of all, there's multiple ways that you can get up to that church area. I think yeah. what they intended was that once you reach the Carter house, that you would take the very obvious path up. From behind to, it? Yeah, from, yeah, from behind it all the way up to the church. Because then the first thing you encounter is that bloody stump. However, like I was venturing off into the woods. I stumbled across that witch's hut. Mm-hmm. in that mini story and I found myself oh, lost yeah. and I stumbled across and the first thing I found was like 
the bird statue, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. But, like, the thing was, I discovered the stump before I found the knife. Um, and one thing this game tries to do to kind of coax you into what items you need to put where is there will be these thoughts of Paul Prospero that, you know, that come over an area. So, for instance, there's a there's a bloody stump with a bunch of bird carcasses next to it being, like, ritual, sacrifice, you know, tool used, question mark, tool yeah. missing, dot, 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 need tool. So I was like, okay, well, there needs to be, like, a knife or something here. So then I found the knife, and then I was like, okay, well, the knife goes here. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that... But I could see, like, you discovering the knife first, perhaps. Sure. And... You know, then coming across the stump later and then maybe not like. I did things in pretty close to your order. I like and I found the knife and I I guess I just went back to the stump and like touched it and was or I saw that you like put the knife there and I was like, okay, that's weird. Right. Um, It just it's it's just it it causes um, cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. um, of like, why am I doing this? Um, and then, and then you go down into the thing and you, you initiate the, the scene and then you just have these like five ghosts that you have to just randomly figure out what order they're in. And it was just, I don't know, that puzzle was just that one like, was particularly yeah, dense, that one was dumb. Like, I think, I think the other ones were it was just straightforward in terms of the linearity yeah. of them, but that one was not necessarily mm-hmm. almost like just to fuck with you or to be fun or different. But again, like, but like it depends on which order know. you find them in, right? Like if you'd solved the previous ones and you felt like they taught you the mechanics of the game and you understood the mechanics of the game at this point, then it might be straightforward. Um, I think what might be interesting is that I bet you we all had a point in the game that was different from each other where we felt like we actually understood the mechanics of the game. Oh, we're going to solve this murder by putting the things back in place enough that we can uh, touch this body so that the uh, display fully fills and then we can rearrange the murder pieces. But, like, I don't think there's any guarantee that we found them all at the same place. And as a result, there's no guarantee that they were the same, you know, tutorial in a sense, or teaching us the mechanics. And I actually think, to me personally, that that led to the mystery of the game living on far beyond the early sections of the game. And for me, that actually mm. ended up being a plus with some negative, sure. But, like, I didn't... I was actually completely confused by the mechanics of the game until, like, probably three-fourths of the way through the game. Yeah. At all. Hmm. Because of the way we were solving nine puzzles at the same time, because we had just failed one piece of five of them so mm-hmm. far. Um, but then, yeah, like, if, if you're saying, James, like, that part was particularly obtuse, but also that part might have been the first, like, of those types of puzzles you solved, that was, not the, that was the last of those types of puzzles I solved. So while it was dense, I was like, well, you know, I just, you just... You just try it. You just think in your head, oh, maybe this one, maybe this one, maybe this one, you know. And you just do some things yeah. and there's no punishment, so it's all good. But if that was the first one, you might have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. And it, it was the first one, I guess, that I that I finished enough to get the um to get the things that you have to put in order. And I think my my big issue with it is that like the way that they make you put it in order is guess and check. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's just not an interesting mechanic to me. Um, 
yeah, yeah. I guess what I was going to say. <laughs> That's it the end does, of that thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does at least not make you figure out which item goes where. Like, because I think we get into like a cat lady situation where Zoe's right. sitting there being like, so what could you do, though, with, glo-? you know, where you're trying to put, you're trying the gloves and then you're trying the cat head and then you're trying like all this other shit to try and figure out which one sticks. At least with this game, like when you click on something, like when we did at the very, very end, just randomly be like, hey, there's a stump here. When we clicked on it, it was like, great, knife goes there. So it doesn't make you try and figure that out, which I appreciated. Um, But I agree with you, James, that just that, that as a game mechanic, I just never really, it never clicked in for me. I never totally understood it. And it was um, difficult, I thought. Because they don't yeah. give you any clues for which one might be first. You, like, kind of have to just guess and then, like, the I don't know. The way that the way that I could tell which one was first every, you know, time was, oh, it locked in place and now I can't change any of mm-hmm. the other ones to one anymore. I guess that one was first. Sure, why not? You know, yeah. it, it just didn't, it didn't feel clear. And the way that I- you actually, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I did try to do things chronologically based off of the props that they were holding at the time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, there, I'd be like, instance. you know, like, for, like in the in the churchyard, I was like, oh, the mom is holding the lantern and these two things. But then in this scene, you see the lantern on the ground, so she sets it down. So that kind of yeah. gave me a vague linear path so i was really just trying to figure out like what props are they holding that make sense however like with the church scene like one of those strange parts is like the mom just brings the knife out of nowhere and there's yeah. not even mm-hmm. any like yeah movement to show that she grabs the knife from the stump in the first place like yep. she just right. has it in a scene that she stabs her brother-in-law in the side of the neck with and so to me, that's where I was just like, these scenes, while you're trying to put them in chronological order, also don't quite make sense. Yeah, they don't way. give you the information that you need to actually well, put mm-hmm. them in chronicolo- but I think chronological another, order. Another one that they did that with was uh, in the final manor, the burnt manor at the end with sure. uh, mm-hmm. Ethan sure. and his grandfather. With the table? You're like, what the fuck does this mean? <laughs> well, right, because there, there's a scene where Ethan's holding these ga- gas canisters. There's a second scene where the canisters are gone and he's at a table talking to his grandfather. And then there's another scene where he has the gas canisters back in his mm. hands. And so I was like, okay, well, yeah. the one with him holding the gas canister should be back to back because clearly at the table, he sets them down at some point. Uh, but no, like it's actually like he has the canisters. I guess he sets them down and talks at the table and then he yep. has them back in his hands for the third scene. Mm-hmm. So yep. that, that's where I was just kind of like, what? Uh, like, it's a giant middle figure to the way you're trying to figure that out. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> No, totally. But what's hilarious about I was kind of like really like yeah, it makes no sense. But what's hilarious is about this the open world nature of this, which we talked about, actually led to the fucking most fantastic tutorial of this particular mechanic. Where we the first one we solved was so easy. I was thinking that too. It's yeah. the one in the where was it? It's I don't know the name of that building. The oil factory. Thank you. Or whatever the fuck. Um, but it's the one where the guy, it's it's Travis and maybe the dad or something. But like he he ends up trying to kill Travis as he comes out of the fucking mines, but then loses his axe, and then 
Travis ends up fucking just baller walking at him for like a hundred thousand paces with an axe <laughs> over his fucking shoulder, like I'm gonna kill you. Um, but but the thing is that was re- it was linear perfectly, like yeah, it's just it's just the minds to the end there, and you already knew where mm. the body was, and in fact. That was the first time we'd ever seen the spirits come out of the body and they shoot out one right in front of you, but the rest out the window. And it's this beautiful thing that you can do. Again, you know, we're, we're caught in the nitpicks of this game and fair enough, there's a lot to be had, but the magic of this game is really powerful. For instance, when I'm standing there and watching the soul trails for the first time shoot out the window and I'm focusing intently on where they land because I'm thinking to myself, I could run down these stairs right now and maybe catch them, but if I miss them, I'll be lost. So I'm gonna stand here at my vantage point Look through the windows and see where they land. One, two. Ooh, I don't know where that one. That one was a little far away. But like, then you walk through that whole thing and it's super linear and it's super nice and it makes total sense and it's, it fucking lands as a narrative of how this guy dies. The whole thing fits together and you're like, oh shit, this game is cool. Where's this going? And I feel like the sarcophagus one in particular, the one outside the church, I think that one is just a little bit we switched it up to fuck with you because you know what's going on maybe, or I don't know. I also got the sense they were maybe just like so early in the game. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like the answer is like the first one is the last one, bro. But then the second one is the first one, bro. And then the last one is the fourth one. You know, it's, it's, it's very back forth like that. Whereas you're walking through the area from the church. It's like the answer is five, one, three, two, four. You know, it's just some, some shit like that. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, Whereas the rest of them were honestly mostly pretty, pretty straightforward Hmm. like right the most of them are pretty simple i think this one just is a nice one to be like fuck you but the rest of them were very like because you would look at the context like when the mom's getting drowned you can very clearly see what he's holding like zoe's referencing before the pickaxe where it comes in but you can visualize the story in your head of i don't know exactly what happens but he gets her in this cage and fucking drowns her clearly and so you're like looking at it like, okay, I think I, and I, you know, that one we probably first tried, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty mm-hmm. straightforward to see it. So I think, unfortunately, I think that might be the main narrative of this game. If we really put it down to the mechanics is that there's a really, truly amazing atmosphere and vibe that it presents, but in some particular cases, and they might be slightly different for all of us, but they might be somewhat aligned. There are just cases where it feels like they just miss or it just doesn't feel clean enough. It feels a little bit bullshitty in a way that um, didn't need to be there and kind of ends up frustrating you a little bit. Like where you feel like you're about to get rewarded for your discipline for paying attention. And then you're like, wait, I have no idea what the fuck is happening here. I'm just going to like try all these numbers again. I was going to say that, but also there, there's a point where the the actual play out of the scene sometimes is wildly different from the still vignette that they have Mm. before you Mm -hmm. activate it. Um, Like, I think that my main complaint, and we keep on bringing it up, is the church scene. But, like, there's a particular one where um, the uncle, Chad, is bent down in front of the mausoleum (sighs) with uh, Dale and uh, Mandy? I forget Missy. 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 Them uh, over his shoulder and like Chad has his like head in his hands and yeah. so I like see that and I'm like oh he's grieving something or he's upset about something but then you play yeah. out that vignette and you realize it's because 
Ethan comes out of nowhere in that fight. I know. Like, yeah, yeah he's not uh, anywhere in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and like yeah. that's the thing. Like Ethan's nowhere in that still vignette. And so, yeah, but he's still hugely important in the scene. Bro, he right. does and, and shit in between the sections that you actually see that are like is yeah. so important. It's like what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Is that and what you're the is, like when when you play like and and the one of the things that I think they could have improved on is that I I wish they would have let you play the vignettes individually, but no, they mm. only allow mm. you to play it once you have the whole chronological order planned out, and it will stop you if one's out of place. Right. But like, so like if one stops, like you still don't get to see what the uh, preceding vignettes were possibly going to play until you just kind of have to brute force your way into picking the chronological order and then just yeah. happen to see it out of ha happenstance. Yes. Which like, yeah, I think if they allowed you to play the vignettes separately, yeah. like sure it would have made those puzzles easier perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think it would have been a lot better than just solving it because you brute forced your way. So, that dude, I can just confirm that it 100% would be because we solved the first, I think, three exactly correct from one to whatever perfectly the first time. And I didn't even realize there was a game going on. Like, at all. I didn't realize there was a mechanic at all because of the ones we solved were fucking easy. It just happened to be. So it was like, oh, obviously this is one, this is two, this is three, this is four. Visualize. And I didn't even realize the the term visualize would appear until you put them in the right order. I didn't even know mm -hmm. any of that shit existed because we just nailed the mm. first three. And as a result, by the way, it was way more awesome <laughs> than putting them in the right place like you're talking about. It flowed. It continued in the in the mood, in the tone of the thing. And I, I, I honestly just thought you just, it was obvious you just put them there and then the button Y on the controller appears and you just press it and call it a day. And so it really does feel like, like if you imagine difficulty of being like, what if we made the hardest fucking puzzle about ordering these memories possible? What if? Those people out there that love hard games would love this? No, 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 no. It, when, when I didn't even re they were so easy, I didn't even realize it was a puzzle. It was definitely the best this game was doing in a second, I think. <laughs> That's For like sure. a problem, I want to say. <laughs> when you don't even realize that you're, that you're not engaging in a game mechanic, and it's better than when you do engage in a ga game mechanic, I feel like there's a problem. Yeah. But I think that categorizes this game. I would say that a lot of the times there are recognizing like oh this is a problem and it's such a detraction from that experience that i was having previous for the first three that i solved where i was just caught up in the magic of fucking watching the story play out and the souls fly mm. into the air and just trying to keep track of them and and the color and the light and all that was awesome and it it, it reminds me actually of if you take it conceptually of the uh underground tunnel scene where it's the same premise. What is the purpose of death and retrying in a walking simulator? So if you take death out of the equation, but you instead just say failing, what is the purpose of failure in a walking simulator? Well, I don't know, but we can look at some examples in this game where you die in that scene, but also where you fail at ordering the memories because it felt like it wasn't clear enough to you. All of these instances are our pain points. Failure in these games 
not entirely, but he's clearly indicating these points where we were taken out of the experience because we had to retry and we felt like the magic was slipping away as we were solving a very obtuse puzzle to us in that moment. Maybe it's because we weren't paying enough attention or maybe who knows, and maybe it's the game's fault or maybe it's a hybrid, but clearly these failure points are our pain points here. And I think that's what makes a game like uh, Edith Finch so masterful is there's no failure really. It walks you through it and so the magic is never really lost. This game did a lot to build the magic in really amazing ways, but also created failure points that just skyrocket, at least me, out mm -hmm. of the experience for a moment before I can yeah. pull it back. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah, hmm. I would agree. Hmm. And I think that the developers would probably like cite that as a problem of their open world design. Like I think they would be somewhat pro what you just said. Also, because I, they start their game saying, like, we're not going to hold your hand. I think hopefully they would acknowledge that there are pros and cons to that, right? There's, like, this sense of exploration, but also the cons that if you're like James and the first murder that you solve is that um, church one, that it's really difficult and you have to deal with that and you have to try and get that in order. And it's going to be maybe frustrating or harder than if you well, solve Well, I mean, like, there's the only so many... Like, there's only so many permutations that it can possibly be. It's yeah. just like, wow, this is dumb. More than like, yeah, I, I agree man, with you, James. I found them, I more found some of these puzzles in some of these moments, like, just frustrating and being like, okay, um, this is just, yeah, it was just frustrating, I guess. And I think that the developers would acknowledge that that can happen with this open world design. Um, but mm. at least for me, it was. Uh, I don't. It, it detracted from the experience, I guess. Yeah. Sounds so, yeah. fair. Zoe, do you want to tell us about this ending? Are we there? I guess we're there. Yeah. So, all right. So the end kind of has a little bit of a twist to it, where you're solving all these murders um, at the same time maybe unearthing a little bit of Ethan's imagination with some, you know, short stories that he writes. Um, and then in the end, it's revealed that you, the character of Paul Prospero, is actually a character that Ethan himself has created in another story. Um, mm -hmm. And that actually all of these murders that you've been solving haven't actually happened in the real world, but rather it's a part of a story that Ethan himself has created. Um, and it is a story in which, well, in, 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 in reality, what's happening is that Ethan is creating these stories in the basement of this uh, Vandegriff mansion, this fateful Vandegriff mansion, um, he gets yelled at by his family. His mom accidentally sets the mansion on fire, and it's pretty much revealed that Ethan dies in this fire as a result. Um, and so it, it ends rather tragically in that in the end, it's not that Ethan's the only one alive and all of his family dies. Rather, it's the opposite, where mm -hmm. Ethan's the one that actually dies, and it's all of his family who lives. Mm-hmm. Um, is Ethan the sleeper? Is that because he's falling asleep to the f to the gas and the fumes in this? Yeah, so I, I have a different interpretation of the sleeper. Like, I do think the sleeper actually is Ethan. Okay. Um, 
However, I do think there is the significance with um, the language that his parents and grandparents say when they say, uh, the sleeper must not sleep, the sleeper must wake up. Um, to me, what I thought of that was that his family was very against Ethan's uh, imagination. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see in these little vignettes of these short stories that he writes, uh, usually after you you know go through some crazy experience like the spaceman or like the witch's uh, coven, um, you get like just audible, you don't get a scene, but you just get audio of an interaction Ethan has with one of his family members mm-hmm. and it's always condescending always. so it's always his brother saying oh like you know you're you're, su- you're such a dork he says some pretty strong words actually i'm gonna just say dork because i'm not <laughs> yeah he says yeah. some strong words no lie yeah okay yeah um, and like his, his mom says like you know you you've just gotta stop getting your head in the clouds like why mm-hmm. can't you just be normal um Good parenting. His, Bro, the most painful one to me, though, the most one. painful one to me, though, is the one, I don't remember whose family member it was. I think it's either his dad or his uncle. But he, like, is writing stories, and he's like, hey, you should read one. And the guy just has the most fucking dismissive, like, I'll read it, I it's guess. Dad, yeah. Dude, mother of God. That is so crazy. <laughs> rushing to a creative person just to be like i worked on this thing it's so i tried so hard it's not perfect but i and you can see by the way on all of his writings i actually think that's a beautiful touch of all of his writings that they um he sometimes tries them multiple times and definitely crosses off things in pen even on the finals like it's it's clear that there's a lot of intentionality and effort behind all of his works and you can see that when you actually visually like look at the text but dude, when his fucking dad or whatever just like dismisses his writings, I've never been so hurt, man. That mm. is crushing. That's like, yo, I fucking, I uh, dude, like when I was a kid, I fucking wrote fucking fantasy stories, and I will give my parents credit for reading them. But just imagining what would happen if they didn't care, oh my god, it's crushing. It's devastating. I don't know if you can withstand that when you're that young. I don't know if I can withstand that now. Um. That's insanely devastating um, for someone to just drop those fucking subtle social cues on you that you don't give a fuck. Or, the, sorry, they don't give a fuck about you. Oh, dang. And I, I would give maybe a little bit of compassion just in the sense that I also think that Ethan's stories uh, reflect a little bit about that family member situation at the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance... Um, the grandfather is referred to in the sap story, mm-hmm. which is about a guy who eats a lot of sap. The village that he lives in burns down, but he lives because of his indulgences. Um, and you learn in a newspaper clipping that actually, like, the grandfather killed his wife accidentally because of his own indulgences of mm-hmm. smoking a cigarette and falling asleep with it lit. The house lights on fire and kills his wife as a result and that his grandfather's actually living with a lot of survivor's guilt and you know also is just kind of yeah he's just kind of in this really fragile state in that in that case which i think the story of the sap man maybe also reflects the own grandpa situation 
Uh, same goes with mm -hmm. Travis. Uh, Travis actually comments in his uh, story about the beast who gets warped in the space. Travis says, well, at least, you know, I, I empathize with the beast because at least he got to get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. um, so then you get a sense that Travis is really, uh, Travis is really bitter because he's just stuck in this blue collar dying mining town and he's yeah. got nowhere to go, zero prospects. And perhaps that is eating at him. Now, granted, he's not dealing with it well because he calls Ethan some really awful things. <laughs> Like, you know, but you can kind of empathize sure. in that he's also in a frustrating situation. Um, yeah, Ethan would be wrecking these guys in his stories for sure. Um. <laughs> I don't know if he's wrecking them. He's very insightful in Yeah, his but stories. insightful is fucking hurtful if that's your life, dog. I guess so. Yeah. No, that's true. That's super true. That's super true. Um, but uh, the mother story is actually the one that really hit me the most uh, because it's referring to... Uh, the story of the witch, um, which talks about a beautiful woman that comes to a witch. Uh, she mm -hmm. asks, I think she asks for a child. She ends up giving birth to a child, but then she turns ugly and bitter because she's no, and she begins crying because she's no longer beautiful. So the witch makes the child disappear, and the mm -hmm. woman becomes beautiful again. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of get the sense there because it's also surmised in a, a lot of uh, t like uh, notes left around that. Uh, Ethan's own mother has a really awful temper. You can see it in both the letters she writes to Ethan, but as well, she has a note that she writes to her yeah. husband that's like really brutal, where it's just like, you're mm -hmm. a failure. I don't want your failures to be around this house. You son of a bitch. Yeah, that one was rough. Yeah. 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 Um, but then you kind of, kind of get the sense that Ethan kind of believes that his mom would be happier without him or like without sons in a way that maybe mm -hmm. if he just disappeared, she would be beautiful again and she would be happy. Mm -hmm. um, the only two that I'm really not sure, like Chad's story refers to the moonshine after the portal <laughs> of doors. Like yeah. maybe that hints at that Chad's an alcoholic or just, you know, drinks too much perhaps. And he's just there like chad doesn't really have like a lot of screen time i guess in this uh in this story as much as maybe the other family members do and when he uh, does you're sort of just like oh this motherfucker's here like it like what's his like <laughs> yeah. what's his statement on like the back of that fucking uh picture it's like chad was mean <laughs> it's like yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> reasonable did you have a thought james oh no i was just jumping on the yeah he doesn't do anything he just exists right wagon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just exists and calls Ethan awful names. To be um, fair, okay, yeah. it's actually one of those weird things where I think the, the we've been calling it the door puzzle, which is really getting me because there's another door puzzle later, but the puzzle about the different rooms and whatever else. The portal. The portal, the portal puzzle. puzzle. Yeah, the, the room construction puzzle. And the res resolution of that, which is like the, you know, the moonshine and the lighting and on fire and all that stuff. Like, I actually think that really fucking lands like as like a whole sequence like i really thought that was super cool once i figured it out and it and i kind of am like hearing how zoe's laying it down and being like it is unfortunate that that character doesn't necessarily land within the full spectrum of things quite as well because i thought that sequence was mm. badass like i thought it's like it's just i don't know that that character to me i think it's that character like he's just there's no he's one note yeah, he's just mean. I he think. just kind of sucks. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's just a I shitty mean, dude. Yeah, he just kind of reminds me of any person's like definition of like <laughs> that one redneck family member who always ruins Thanksgiving. Or like Where's <laughs> <laughs> my sensor button? Jesus Christ. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, like I mean, like I always feel like any everybody has like some story about Uncle Chad at Thanksgiving. And that's mm-hmm. just the character of Chad in this game where it's just like, yeah. I could see it. <laughs> You're like a 10-year-old kid and your mom is fucking devising you some like crazy wisdom shit like listen to me you you poor chads drink half as much as everyone else. Do you understand? Do you know where he sits? You pour it half as much. Why, mom? Because when Chad gets a full drink, he says some crazy shit. And we are trying to have a nice Thanksgiving right now. She says all through her teeth, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> uh, Right. And then uh and then Dale's is the only other one that I can't really quite connect as much because his is all about the curse of the sea thing. Um, or at least oh my God, his, his character's thing is all into the curse of the sea thing. And the items that you discover after the fact is that the dad is like coming up with a lot of inventions that he yes. really wants to like land, but so... they always end up infringing on other copyright written yes. material. And so he's just, failure (laughs) so so hear me out on this so so yes that was fucking brutal but my interpretation of this is how it fits is that he actually is kind of the creative line from ethan and he's the adult form of the creative in a failure sort of way like he was creative sure but he hasn't succeeded and they need essentially a workhorse to provide and the creative side of him isn't succeeding at that and so i think there's a great deal of resentment towards his creativity which might they might have different words for it but it's his ingenuity his trying to be outside the box and i think they then translate some of that to ethan being like wait if you're just gonna follow this line we can't afford another person like this who's basically useless um so i I think that's the connection there is that he is actually the direct uh connection to ethan and they see those qualities in both of them one in the sort of uh burgeoning stages and one in the mature stages as just being useless and so you're not going to be another productive member of society, are you? You're just going to write some fucking stories and maybe just steal some some uh, inventions later or, or be too late to the creativity. So it feels like that's how they, they connect and they resent that whole line of creativity in the family. Mm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially since Dale is considered to be, I guess, like the most passive of the family members, mm-hmm. just in the sense that like all of his vignettes, at least in Ethan's now known to be fantastical scenes, like Ethan's right. dad is never hostile no. towards him in even these fantasy scenes. So it goes to show that like, I think his dad had a little bit more empathy for him and care for him than maybe the rest of his family does. Cause especially when you learn that these murder scenes and the happenings of these murder scenes aren't actually real, but they do reflect, you know, this area of Ethan's mind where he's like, yeah, my mom could be capable of this or my brother could be capable of this. And Mm -hmm. so you're just like, geez, (laughs) that's rough. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is a huge leap in terms of, I could see a lot of players getting off the train at exactly the point where you realize that these murders did not actually happen but they're just Ethan's understanding of the character and their potential. Like that's yeah. a huge mental shift of like what mm. the world actually looks like to me. I think that's cool and interesting, but it was like, Whoa, 
what am I rewriting here? And I had to like go back and like rewrite a lot of stuff. So I think I feel like if some of the puzzles in this game have shaken you at this point, that is a, a story point that could, if you guys are afraid of, what if they go into crazy mythical cult shit? Like, I feel like that's a switch of the world that is really intense to actually swallow if you're not, like, prepared or ready. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, I mean, that is the end of the game, right? So that's, I mean, you can, yes, you can go back afterwards, and we did because we hadn't solved everything, but in theory, that that's the end of the game, that last reveal. Um, but to me, it, 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 the ending of this game was, seemed to me like a, one of those, and it was all in dream endings, um, and almost like a cop out. I don't know. It just I I get, but like nothing about the story really up to it seemed to suggest to me that maybe Ethan was dying dying a fire. And like I know it was like this big twist reveal maybe, but to me it reminded me of those stories that kind of like have this fantastical thing going on and then don't don't explain it ever, don't finish it ever, and instead are just like it was all a dream. You didn't expect that, did you? Um, and so to me in that way, the ending sort of fell flat for me where I was like, oh, wait, so we've been trying to figure all this stuff out. And there's been all this like fantastical, crazy things happening. And this little boy is seeing things and we're going through portals. And in the end, it's just kind of like his hallucinations or his stories, um, as he dies of smoke inhalation. So yeah, I don't know. I, that means just personal preference. Sorry, James, what'd you say? Oh, I was just saying, I'm not a huge fan of that kind of story either, where it's just like, Oh, everything you just did doesn't matter and yeah. isn't actually part of the world. It's just like, nah. Yeah, I wouldn't Somewhat. go that like, far. Sorry, go ahead. Well, so I, I the, the game does hint at it. Now, it does warrant a second playthrough. I will give you that. Like, it's not something that you can ever see coming right off the bat on your first playthrough. But a lot of Paul Prospero's lines actually do infer to what actually is happening to Ethan because you do begin to realize that this whole story of Paul Prospero solving murders and finding Ethan is kind of Ethan's last dream his last imagination Mm -hmm. in the minutes before he dies Um, because Paul Prospero says at the very beginning you know I need to I need to go find Ethan uh, I believe this is going to be my last case, uh, you know, that I'll ever do. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of wondering, why might this be the last case? Well, it's because Ethan's dying. And so this is his last imagining reconstruction of something Paul Prospero would do. And so his last fleeting thought is this hero that I've created in my head is going to come find me oh. uh, and let me know that everything's going to be okay. Devastating, um, bro very devastating once you actually think about it and like there's other lines that paul prospero says that maybe hint at you know the the turmoil and abuse that ethan has suffered up until this point like i think paul prospero says like when the police won't help you and the priests don't believe you you call on me paul prospero which Mm -hmm. means like it is possible that Ethan maybe did try to go to police or maybe he did try to confess to priests about what is happening in his home life Mm -hmm. and nobody was helping him in that. So he did, he had to turn to his imagination. This is an Uh, imaginary friend, bro. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. Essentially. Yeah. And like, uh, I, I think the only member of his family that maybe truly understood him was his grandfather. Um, only because I think, 
they make points in saying, you know, whatever whatever had turned Ethan's family against him, the grandfather was trying to resist because mm-hmm. old one, uh, old people are tired, their hate is less useful. Um, so I guess that I, I think that was trying to show that at least in this family situation, like maybe his grandfather, while he has maybe played a part in that he like, you know, he fathered the children that are abusing Ethan, perhaps, like he is trying to like undo some of this by helping Ethan out. Um, and there, there's a lot of quotes that, that he says in that, um, but probably like the one that strikes me the most is just the last conversation that Ethan and Paul Prospero have right after Paul Prospero finds him. And he says, Paul Prospero tells Ethan, like, I'm too late. Cause obviously he mm-hmm. is, he knows sure. he's dying. Um, and Ethan says, you know, I, I wrote about you, but I don't know if I created you. And Paul Prospero says, you've made me real. And Ethan says, I can't go yet. I have to finish my story about you. I wrote stories about everyone. To which Paul then says, I know you did, but my story's done and it's a fine story. To which then Ethan says, I can let go. You can let go. What happens then? Another story, kid. What else? And I bawled my eyes out (laughs) when that happened. (laughs) It just made me realize like this is a kid who is just honestly is clinging so hard to this imaginary world that he's created in his head and he is dying. He knows he's dying, which is scary for a kid to deal with. Mm -hmm. And he's called upon his imaginary friend to help him through this. And it's like Paul Prospero gives him his final blessing of like, I'm done here. Like you can let go now. And by let go, just get out of this weird purgatory he's in to just finally rest. Um, And just the fact that he summons this imaginary friend as his final moments of comfort, final moments that you realize at the end of the game is really just four minutes in his life. The whole game Mm -hmm. is the course of four minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, That just really got to me. Where it was just, this is just honestly a very tortured soul who is living his last moments and he just wants some peace. Yeah. And Um, And the first, like, what? three minutes and 30 seconds of it is just akin to all the other stories that he's ever written about this guy. All the, you know, this guy is just a detective doing his thing, maybe having, you know, some little inklings of hints at this being the final mission or whatever the fuck. But then just the true, like, like, I guess lucidity of that last conversation where it's just like nothing, this nothing Paul Prosper has ever said before. He's never had such a clear conversation with this guy about what's about to happen. Like it just, it just culminates in just the real shit Mm -hmm. right there, right at the very end. I mean, I agree. Like I, I thought that the ending scene was very well written and like, I got it there. I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I felt both ways about it, I guess. Like, I thought that ending scene was really good and very poignant when you realize that it's just this little kid who's dying. And it's his, I agree with all of that. 
but I still kind of had that like, oh, but also the rest of the game was sort of, you know what I mean? It was both for me. It was both, oh, it's just all a dream. And that was well written and well said and well done. Like I liked that moment. Mm -hmm. I just think that in the end, that ending didn't quite do it for me in the context of the whole game. Is it weird to say there's like, I want to throw, this is like a weird distinction to make, but I want to throw a distinction, I guess, between it was all a dream and it was your life flashing before your eyes. There's like a different context to a dream when it's your final dream. Yeah. I know that's like a weird distinction to make, but I actually think it matters here. I, I agree with McCoy on this. Um, like the fact that like, so my my initial reaction to Elena's reaction as somebody who <laughs> who didn't get to that part of the game was like, oh yeah, I hate that kind of story. And my reaction to Zoe's reaction to the end of the game was that um, it, it, it w was uh, that kind of makes it feel better to me because mm -hmm. um, it, it my general reaction to the like it was all a dream type situation is that um, there was no like emotional grounding for anything that happened like it was it, it could like anything at all could have happened for basically free for no consequences right the um, ultimate cheapening yeah exactly and and having it be his like his the last four minutes of his life and like him trying to to work through dying uh is kind of like gives it like a lot more um meaning and um uh than than it would otherwise as a like yeah. a, a hallucination or whatever I mean, that's what I would say. Like, just in the context of, I think it, I shouldn't start with that sentence, just in the context, and I'm going to repeat it. It gives context to the story, whereas I think the trope of it was just a dream um, invalidates everything. It doesn't actually ground. I think you said it well. Anything could happen, so there's no rules, so fuck it. And we're not going to get into a rules discussion here because we'll lose more podcast members. But it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> but I, but Shit. it's true though. No, is it like it, it really does I think add context to all of what you've experienced in a way that a powerful twist does, not in a way that a cheap twist does. If that makes sense. Like a powerful twist is like, "Oh fuck. What does that mean?" And you have to think about it. And I could see that being challenging for some people, especially if they're on the fence. But if you're not, you're like, "Cool." And then you think about it. And I think for others, it's like, sorry, I just got back here. What's up? Um, we've been running bathroom breaks over here. It's been rough. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when it's really hot outside. Dude, I went on one before you. Don't worry. It's not. Anyways, so, yeah, we're just talking contextually about the difference between that. I um, got that. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, I don't think we needed to. Anyways, um, thank you well, for broadcasting that on right. air. I feel like I made this weird now. Um, yeah. Cool. So, All time so how was the pee? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! This was a game that did not have a P sound effect, oh, and I'm thankful Lord. for that. Although I think there oh, was like I did want to talk about actually the sound design in this game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which was interesting. I thought that it was 
like for each space that you were in, it was well done. But I mm -hmm. thought that the transitions between spaces was absolutely horrible and jarring. Hmm. Um, I like agree. I walked into a building and I was like, and now it's the building sound effect. And you could yeah. just like hear yeah. the instant click. Like it, there was practically a click of like, mm -hmm. now yep. you have the inside sound and you yep. walk out outside and it's like, whoosh. Yeah, or like now I'm in the creaky forest section. Yeah. You know, right, which has example. doors opening and closing. Um, yeah, or something. That was one thing where I was like, those are doors and not trees. James, I had um, the exact same thought as that. I was like, this is not a creaky tree. This is more than a creaky tree. Yeah, yeah. But in general, it was like, it was getting you into the vibe of, this, of, of where you were, except for like the doors opening and closing in the forest. Um, okay. But... But like, and, and like in the mine, there was like, you're, you're in a creepy dark place sounds and that worked really well. But like you walk outside from the mines and it, there's just, there's no gradual like shifting. There's no, like you can hear what's coming. You can hear the wind. It's just like, mm, shh. <laughs> sure. Like there, um, there's even like change, like changes or like restarts to the same music soundtrack mm -hmm. if you cross certain thresholds of the open world. Like mm. I almost felt like the music was not designed for the running pace. It was designed for the walking pace, sure, mm. but not for the running pace because there would be plenty <laughs> of times, especially when I was backtracking and therefore running, like. I'd go past the church. It'd start this. It'd, it'd start that priest chanting music. But then I'd run down the path back towards the portal house, and like there was clearly this invisible barrier where it's like, up, oh, end church music, begin Ethan Carter Manor music. Like mm. it was just a very like it was yeah. clearly designed for the walking exploratory pace. And as the running pace, it was just very like, you know, just stopping yeah. mid monk chant into, <laughs> oh, violins here or something like that. <laughs> Dude, I do think there's like a, a small discussion to be had about the running. I mean, this is the first walking simulator we've played with a run, maybe? Question mark? It's Doesn't a running matter. simulator? Question mark? No, but it's, it's interesting because, dude, especially the dam, the dam was an incredible piece of geometry in this world because it, games are so fucking like hard edges and this was like round and beautiful and mm. it felt like the scale of that bridge and dam and the scale of maybe everything felt really really good like almost fantastically good in this game um where it's like you're running across this gigantic bridge and there's this town and all mm -hmm. these houses and everything felt amazing but the sad result of the real pace and the real uh, i guess uh you know, sizing the distances that you need to cover in this game. Yeah. They need to give you a run mm -hmm. and they not only need to give you a run, you might need to run back and forth a couple of times too. Um, and I feel like if you compare that just conceptually to like Edith Finch, where they like, they just put you in this claustrophobic place and they just like locked you there. The, there really is this huge contrasting feeling of this open world slash, I could go anywhere slash this feels almost real and they don't 
they do obviously put you at dead ends in places. Like, they do do things where it's like you walk down here and this tree trunk fell over and there's some rocks. And so you can't walk over here. But there's... What do you bet they added the elevators when a, like, playtester said fuck this when they had to go all the way back to the start? A playtester broke their laptop in half, like, just grabbed the fucking screen and the keyboard side and just snapped it. Um, Yeah, it seems, like, possible. But, like... The scale of this game is fucking amazing. Like, mm. it feels really, really good. Like, when you're walking mm. through uh, the town and you're walking across the bridge and stuff like that. And so, it's interesting to think that maybe they intended you to walk it at some point, but they clearly could never get away from having you run. I mean, they, they dude, they're, like, nearing on fast travel with this game, the distances you have to travel across. Um, yeah. But, or at least with a map of some sort, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I said at one point, probably even kind of early on in our play, that they are not afraid to make you walk long distances and, and kind of wander around looking for things because there's just a lot of ground to cover. Um, and I think yeah. be also because this game states and sticks to not holding your hand, that means that you might have a playthrough like McCoy and I did where you miss everything. And so you're go at <laughs> some point it. in the game, you're going, you're booking it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, trying to find something like, Oh, maybe it's over there. Like you're, and I think just because of that, they didn't, they had to give you a run feature. Cause if you had to walk that, with the distances that they gave you and the amount of backtracking that players might have to do, it would have been unplayable. Yeah. And and, and the fact that it it. feels like you could go, it's never true, but it felt like you could go infinitely into the forest to the left off the train tracks in certain Mm -hmm. places. You'd get to a beautiful view and they'd stop you. But it felt like, oh, there's a bunch of scenery over to the left that doesn't matter. No, 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 it does matter. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but let's check it out. And you're doing, like, circles. You're doing fucking, like, you know, like, area search patterns where you're, like, at least for me, I'm, like, doing all the outskirts that I'm doing circles in, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, trying to yeah, fucking... perimeter and then you spiral it into the middle. Yeah. And, and like... Notably, yeah. like, <laughs> there's a fucking Easter egg that you find yes. towards the beginning of the game yes. where I thought... I didn't realize it was an Easter egg. I thought it was going to be like how the game was going to have you discover clues but in particular like well off the beaten trail there's a pine cone yep, that you pick up that turns into a grenade once yep. you pick it up yep. and so i was like whoa i have to search for things as small as pine cones in this world <laughs> yes so, so that really destroyed my flow of things because I was both running. I was doing like a sort of like pseudo run walk where it's like I needed to cover ground, but also I was like, but I also if I run, I might miss a pine go. No, seriously. <laughs> so. There's actually a fantastic. So when I finished this game, I searched what I always do in games like this once I've completed, which is the Vanishing of Ether Carter Space Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and the first uh, YouTube link is titled this. The Vanishing of Ethan Carter dash how to find the secret sniper rifle. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> which is so what? fucking hilarious to me. And and it is actually the uh, pine cone turned grenade item that Zoe's referring to that you then later throw off a bridge and then then later apparently you kill a deep sea diver who's holding a sniper rifle and he washes up on on shore for mm -hmm. you to pick it up. Yep. So I discovered this without looking it up. What? So oh I had God. no wow. idea what the fuck was happening because I had this pine cone grenade. I was walking along the bridge, like, again, canvassing every corridor, and I just get this option of just throw grenade into water. And I was like, well, okay. okay. <laughs> throw the grenade in, <laughs> falls in the water, explodes. I was like, hmm, okay. Then, like, literally two hours later at the dam scene, like, I just am going along the banks of the dam and I just find this deep sea diver dead along the side with a fucking sniper rifle, which you mm. pick up the sniper sniper rifle and you get an achievement that's just found the sniper rifle. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, the fuck? Excuse me? So Is that I a reference a, to... Sorry, you go. I, uh, I believe it's a, just a reference because this team of people at uh, the astronauts who... Uh, or the, the people who created the astronauts uh, publishing team originally worked in the first person shooter triple game space, triple A game space. Yeah. So I'm wondering how much of it is just them hearkening back to their roots of like, you found the sniper rifle, <laughs> like yeah. first person shoot. Like this is now a first person shooter game. Like I kind of yeah. wish you could shoot the people in the mines. Like, I think they should have gone all the way, like, with that, with the Easter egg, where they just, like, yeah. put up a fucking first-person shooter UI, I, and you're, like, fucking no-scoping people. Like, this is what I'm I looking for. I respect that. I yeah. would have preferred that, too. I also would yeah, have been anyways. much more comfortable with that. Um, yeah, I, I saw that. They, uh, the company that they used to work for did ports of um, the Gears of War games. Hmm. Um, That's a departure. Yeah. So yeah. it, it should have been, did you find the chainsaw? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I think they might have. I, I don't know when they left the company. But yeah, yeah, sure. Well, that... they didn't necessarily leave the company. It was just a small offshoot of people who wanted to create uh, singular narrative experiences, but obviously wanted to do it under a different publishing name since they were working under just a vastly different genre of publisher mm -hmm. um from no, what i understand really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow yeah it's it's the most ridiculous secret to find in a game like this because we yeah. always joke like i know it's such a trope it's not even a trope dude it's just that's literally our podcast as a trope like we've just been joking about like what if i found the shotgun in this game how know, sick would that be i don't think that you guys invented <laughs> it i think it's like a thing that I'm people say, say. Yeah. okay you could try and trademark that. I mean, I would argue because we, I'm playing through Dark Souls, and half of the tooltips are use sniper rifle. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, another thing that Dark Souls nailed first. First, it was the uh, you know difficult but rewarding combat that's slow and disciplined. Then it was the elevators. Then it was the sniper rifle in the mm -hmm. tooltips. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh God, I dude, I really do think there's a lot of Dark Souls inspiration in this game, and it's very weird, and I can't even tell like which one came first or what, or it doesn't matter, or like if they just come from the same ilk. But like, there definitely was I some. I think it would be Dark Souls that 
inspired it. But. Yeah, there's always this question, though. I think, too, McQueen and I were talking about this as we were playing because we've played so many games at this point. It's like, okay, Dark Souls is came there... out in 2011. Yeah, so right. it could have been possible. But it's like, is the inspira- Is there actually pieces of all these other games in, say, The Vanishing of Ethan Carter and we're noticing it? Or is it just sort of like random chance because you've, we've played so many games that are like, oh, it's just like Lorelei or it's just like this. Like I, I don't know which one, I, which way it Dude, goes. That Dark, like the Dark Souls references did seem nothing clear. has been influenced in terms of game <laughs> development by Laura. Yes, I Laura is like <laughs> my go-to game example game, and I don't know why. Dude, you sound like the people that like that like have like the least exciting solution to like a pattern in the world. You're like, well, technically, random chance would suggest that but this I pattern would exist. Wonder. But, like, I don't know. I wonder. Because we also spent a lot of time comparing this to Dear Esther, which I don't think is a mistake. Dear Esther is a huge walking simulator. I don't I don't see how they would have not known about it. Um, but, like, with the Dark Souls references, it's like, okay, is it a Dark Souls reference? Or is it that we're noticing similarities? It's a fair question. We'll are know. you talking like specifically about the elevator? We are, I think so, yes. Okay, sure. why not? I, I don't think all elevators in games are a reference to Dark Souls. Do you remember that one, one time there was so a great sword, though? Do you remember that, like, That's my general that dark guess. Sword? That one? Yeah, yeah, I remember that item, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's in the caves. Yeah. Okay, well, cool. That's, I that's feel... a reference to the Dark Knight movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. See, oh, it all, no. it's all references to oh, each other. Oh, no, it's all just Batman. You never saw that <sighs> one coming. Yeah. The yeah, there were actually elevators in Batman before <laughs> Dark Souls. Do you remember when he's on the um, roof and jumps off? He had to get it, he had to use an elevator to get there. So think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned this or not, um, but I will say like one bizarre solution that happened to us in our sort of seemingly oh, yeah. non-linear playthrough was we were at what I would consider to be the door puzzle, but is the one where you have to unlock the basement, I guess, through the letters, the six letters that spell Corvus. So. The way that we solved this puzzle, not having had an earlier mention of the word Corvus, apparently there was one on the way up that we didn't hear. Um, But outside of that, uh, I actually solved this puzzle. We we tried a bunch of things. We tried uh, something related to How do you spell that, by the way? C-O-R-V-U-S? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So just crow. Got it. Or a okay. raven, Latin. rather. Raven. Mm. Latin for raven. Apparently. James Not mentioned crow. it earlier. I didn't know that before starting the podcast. Good to know. Um, I was looking for things like the Vandergriff family had owned this house before, and so maybe they had something related to their naming in there, and I was thinking maybe it was the initials of the Carters, or potentially it was the word Carter, which it wasn't. But I was thinking, like, you know, these sorts of things. And then I realized you could put A, B, C, D, E... F, I think, mm-hmm. whatever six letters, in the uh, puzzle, and then you could tilt them all one more time. So you put A, B, C, D, E, F, and then you would put, you'd click A once, B once, C once, D once, you know, all mm-hmm. the way through. And it would spell out It would spell Corvus. Corvus, and it was like, open door. And I was like, no. And I was just sitting there, Elena, Elena, come in. Elena, come in, I found it. Like, <laughs> like, but she was like, no fucking way. And I was yeah, like, oh my was, God. It was pretty impressive. I found it. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Um. And so that Damn. actually works. And is Puzzle a- Master McCoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so dumb, but it works out. So, you know, hey, keep that in mind, you guys. Uh, if you yeah. haven't solved Luck the game already. Luck is also a skill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very high in luck that minute. 
Cool. Well, have we done the talking about this game? You think we're there yet? Yep. Sure. I think we're there. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe let's call on James first. Sure. Scary game. Um, Didn't expect it. How did that make you feel? I'm so sorry that Spooky Games Month came one month early. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of cool stuff about this game, but I just wasn't really feeling it when I was playing it after a while, Um, a.k.a. when I got scared. um, I stopped feeling it. Uh, But I don't know. I... I'll give it a thumb up, I guess. It's it's just like it's a walking simulator that is good, but not a great example of the genre, I would say. Um I think they did some things that were cool. I think they uh made some choices that were not great. Um uh but overall I think that um you know I've I've played games that I I mean I think that they made a lot of good choices in storytelling. I'll just leave it at that. But um not really my cup of tea. One thumb. Okay. Fair enough. Well Landy, you feel similar? Yeah, I've actually so I've been going back and forth on what to give this game and between. I think kind of similar similar to James. This one just didn't quite land for me. And, I'm, you know, it could have been the playthrough struggles that McCoy and I had in terms of, like, actually understanding and solving the puzzles. What? It's okay to just admit it. We did have a hard time. Did you read the journal in Last of Us? Did you? No, it's not about that. Like, it was both of us. Like, that, that, um, there's so many door puzzles. That, like, the the puzzle with all the dead guys with the big door mm. thing that opens. That took us like an the, hour. That, I mean, we really puzzle. struggle with that. And I think, look, you can write in at tyranny of thumbs at gmail.com and tell us that it's not the game's fault and that I was being, I was obtuse, not the game. Um, but I think that kind of combined. So I think some of the difficulties with some of the puzzle solving um, and just the style of play that we had and the storytelling with the, the ending that just didn't land for me. Um, this game just, like, didn't hit for me. And I enjoyed our playthrough that we did together, I think, because we were hanging out. But this game just, like, it just didn't do it for me. And maybe, too, it's because we've played a couple, of the, at this point, of just really, really good walking simulators. Like, we played Deer Astro last year, which I think this game um, tries to emulate in a lot of ways and falls short of in a lot of ways, but also innovates and does some really cool stuff. Um, and then we obviously just played... Um, Edith Finch, which was incredible and has holds your hands so strongly, but in such a good way, whereas this one kind of lets you do your own thing, I think, and I think for me, um, I struggled with that. So I, th- I think for me, this one comes in at a meh. I just, I didn't, I don't know. It didn't land for me. I can't really think of like people who I would say like, oh yeah, you should definitely play this game. Um, yeah, I just, I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I think it had great moments and cool cool things that it did. But I think it fell short in a lot of ways for me. So that's where I land. Awesome. Um, I guess I will jump in and then Zoe, since she chose it, will go last. Yeah. Although she 
cool. maybe have wished she'd gone earlier to influence his people's decisions. Uh, but yeah, um, I this is a really hard one for me to rate because I I do wonder if like games are just getting hard to rate these days. But you know, I actually really enjoyed the mystery of this game. I really enjoyed the opening of this game. I really enjoyed. There's, I have a weird like love-hate relationship with games that ask me to be more disciplined, to be more attentive. I initially experienced frustration that I think stops a lot of people there, dead in their tracks, because they're like, this is frustrating, what the fuck? I don't want to be frustrated. But I always take that as a message of, like, it's a sign to me. Like, I need to fucking, like, discipline up to play this game. And I actually enjoy disciplining up. It's just hard sometimes. So, you know, we almost played this. This is going to be some meaningless day naming. But, like, we almost played this on Saturday. But just, like, we're not vibing with that. We did not have the mental capacity. And so I was like, let's just not do it. And we ended up playing it on Sunday where we were much more focused. I know you've told the story that we missed everything in the whole game, which is so not true. But, like, okay, we did miss some things for sure. But but had we played it Saturday, this could have been an excruciating experience. Because we were just not vibing mm-hmm. in that sort of disciplined, slow, methodical way where you enjoy the process of really looking, really uh, not rubbing everything together, but almost rubbing your hands and your eyes across every part of the world, looking at all the outskirts of the map, understanding that you're pretty sure you've been up all the side paths up to this game so far. You're checking off things in your head. Um, And so I actually really enjoy those types of games if I'm in the right headspace for it. And I think this one built a lot of mystique that I really enjoyed. I will also throw a huge credit to the graphics in this game. We didn't talk about it much. They are amazing. Like, at least for me, I think compositionally it's beautiful. But I think a lot of people, and I've been saying this to people who have been asking me, but a lot of people, like, have a really nice uh, sort of memory and almost, like, nostalgia for pixel art, they love that because that to them is where games started. Those 2D uh, platforming games where, you know, they look like Celeste or whatever, but from back in the day. And I have zero nostalgia for those types of games. But if you do, that's awesome. But I have nostalgia for these types of games. My era of video gaming that I look back on fondly is the games, is 3D games like this that built mystical, fantastical worlds, even if they were representing potentially real abandoned rust belt towns like this is the look of game to me that is fucking beautiful because it looks both like a video game it doesn't look so realistic that you would mistake it for a picture no it looks like a video game that a person or many people put a lot of effort into making magical and wonderful and mysterious and delightful and so I have a nostalgia for these types of games. That's why I love Dear Esther's look so fucking much, even though in some ways it feels kind of generic at times, especially on the island on the outside before you've seen the inner beauty. It looks generic in a way that is so clearly intentionally beautiful compositionally that it wins you over regardless. The generic was just the fact that they were using rocks you've seen before, but then the way they use them, the way they place them is so stunningly beautiful that it's breathtaking. And I think this game really nails that too, to me. Um, so if you combine that with the mystery that it's building and the, the sort of non-linearity of it and, and, and all that stuff, I think that added to a lot for me. Like I really, really, really enjoyed those aspects of the game. And I definitely like everyone else or at least some people more than others ran into certain maybe problems or 
just things. Things in the game that felt they detracted instead of added, even on top of me loving the game slapping me and asking me to focus more. Like, at some point I felt like that seemed a little obtuse. And definitely some of the things that I didn't solve until after I beat the game and I looked them up, I was particularly disappointed with what the solution was once I looked them up. Because I was like, oh, that's the solution? I would have been here for another 12 weeks and never done that. <laughs> um, and so I'm glad I didn't. But for the many hours I did put into this game where I wasn't sure what I was doing and I was trying to keep a mental checklist and occasionally a written checklist, I truly enjoyed it. Um, and I think it resolved in a kind of beautiful way that kind of puts it all in context. And so again, like I said, I can see when people wouldn't like that, but okay. Um, so, so you put that all together, it's weird, right? Like, I want to give this game actually two thumbs up. This is really high, I think. But I would put the asterisk on, it's two thumbs up to a very specific crowd of people. This is not a mainstream game, and it should not be changed in any way that would make it more accessible to the mainstream. Because it is for a very particular type of person who enjoys... Uh, being very disciplined and very uh, slow and methodical. I remember I used to play like these types of games with my dad. He would always be like, slow down. Like, but, but I was so trained on easy games as a kid. Like, well, you just go to the flashing thing, dad. Why would I even pay attention to anything else? And he'd be like, slow the fuck down because he played games like Myst. And like, this is a very Myst-esque game mm -hmm. to me. And we have all lost the attention span to be able to play Myst. But I have also lost that attention span, but, but, but acknowledge the beauty of trying to find it again uh, and trying to like pry that part of my brain open again to slow down and enjoy a game. So I think this game will give you a lot of value for that. You may not love everything that it does or where it goes if you do that, but I think it will give you a truly enjoyable experience if you're willing to get there. That's probably 5% of gamers or less now at this point. I mean, 2%? that could enjoy that but you listening it's a little late for you to decide whether you want to play this game or not after all this time but hey if you think you might be in that two percent i think this game will give you value if not i think or sorry if so i think it would be great value so like try it if you don't sound enthused by that absolutely do not pick up this game under any circumstances you will not enjoy yourself you will actually hate yourself and you'll hate me for recommending it so please stay away if you're the 98 percent who just want a way more streamlined game if you like quality of life improvements, that phrase is an umbrella. If you've just heard that in a multiplayer game and you like it, bro, do not play this game. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> do not. Um, so there you go. So yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up uh, in that context for a very specific few, but I think it's someone that I fancy myself as on the occasion in the right circumstance, and I do enjoy it when it comes around. All right. Zoe? Oh. By the way, the, the animation style is called photogrammetry. I actually wrote that down. Uh, it's just basically where they take like 5,000 photos no. of a single object and render it into the game instead hmm. of using texture artists for hmm. a certain thing. Hmm. Which is why like, for instance, like when you're walking on the first bridge that the rail car is on, if you look down at like the wood planks, each one is actually unique from one another. Hmm. Um, it's not just like the same wood plank that's maybe like rotated once or twice. Um, so I think that also like really helps with the visuals and what just makes it look like absolutely stunning. 
That's cool. It literally is a photo in a video game sense that they've rendered in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, my rating. Um, I, I feel like I struggle. I'm struggling a lot as well with all of you guys, just in terms of how to rate this. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it is true. Like, we've played so many excellent walking simulators and i think we even like joked during our game of the year deliberations last year it's just like we're not just choosing the best games of 2019 we're choosing like the best games that were the best in their class every year they came out like that's honestly what this is up against mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. up against the edith finches it's up against the dear esters it's up against the beginner's guides mm-hmm. um and I do agree with McCoy. There is a certain mindset you have to get into to play this game. And I mean that in that I first picked up this game during a, an extremely slow day at work. I was just on call. So I launched this game and was immediately captivated. But then I didn't pick it back up for another four days, I think because the other four days that I could have played it, I was just like, I just, I'm not feeling it. I want to play Hades. I want to play something else. Like I don't want to be lost in this world uh, today. And you know, someday I did find myself in that mindset and I was able to fully encapsulate myself in it and therefore become entranced. Um, In this game, I just think, I believe playing it initially, I can see where the detraction is. I can see where people's resistances are to it. And I would almost argue it's like you can't truly experience this game until you just honestly tough out the first playthrough. Like just getting through it first and then playing it again to truly grasp the story. I much more enjoyed my second playthrough of this than the first just because it's for one thing, I knew all the answers. That does help, sure. believe it or not. But also, just in the sense that you're truly then able to pick apart the lines of dialogue and really meditate on them in more ways than I think the first playthrough really allows. Um, just because this game does subvert expectations, so you always interpret a line of dialogue in one way, and then the twist comes, and then you're like, oh, fuck, everything I thought was a lie. Like, I need to go back to that dialogue. And it's not like the game has, like, a transcript in the options menu or anything. So it's like, I have to play through this all again. Um, I think overall, I'm going to give this game a one thumb up. Uh, it's it's so close to a th- two thumbs up, I think. So close. But I, I hate to harken back to it, but it's that, that fucking mining puzzle. I think mm-hmm. it honestly... It didn't completely destroy the game for me, but it just really Mm -hmm. put me in such a way once it happened where I was like, you were this close to greatness. (laughs) Like you were this close to having and hitting a great atmospheric note that is now just, you know, tossed away to ghost stories and hauntings and dying to supernatural beings. Um, which was honestly kind of, it, it, was, it was disappointing. Um, everything after that, everything leading up to that point, excellent 
A plus. Like, sure, some of the puzzles are a little weird. The chronological order of things maybe could use some work. Of course, I guess you could have the argument of, well, the chronological orders were actually thought up by the mind of an 11-year-old boy, so maybe that's why it doesn't make sense. Like, that's a little much. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? That's just like... But, it's very uh, But overall, like, I, I really enjoyed the story, especially after having completed it and then experienced it again. And that is where I was totally able to emotionally surrender myself to the story and then get those emotional uh, responses that I described before in my retelling of like the narrative and the interpretation. Um, and so like, oh, it's so close to that two thumbs up, but I think I have to put it to a one just because, uh, you know, that there is some work this game has to do. Plus just the overall... Uh, they, they did have a lofty goal of making such an open world game, but to me that just kind of gets a little anxiety inducing, especially in a game that's all about paying attention to detail. Um, I just constantly was feeling like I was missing stuff, constantly backtracking, and that plays into the mindset you have to be in, where you have to be okay to go through the same area six times to make mm -hmm. sure you didn't miss anything. Uh, because I am that sort of player. Um, so I, I think that also plays into it a little bit as well. Like maybe, like, the thing is, I don't know if making it more linear would have helped it. It might have even taken away a little bit of the game. And so that's why, like, I'm just, ugh, it is a hard rating. But I think I'm going to have to leave it at one thumb. Um, but it's a beautiful story. I really enjoyed it. Um, would I recommend it? Yeah, sure, I would. But I would definitely give the caveats of, like, either if you're not a puzzle person, pull up a walkthrough to get you through the puzzles and then experience the story. Or, like, do this game when you're ready to spend some time wandering. Um, nothing more, nothing less. This is not a game you just casually play in between rounds of Hades. <laughs> so yeah that's where I'm at thank you is but there okay, anything you right. can play casually between rounds of Hades or is it just more Hades it's just more Hades. <laughs> <laughs> another round of Hades between more Hades maybe Perfect. like solitaire if you just need to like <clears throat> walk for a bit just need like, a breather yeah exactly <laughs> Bro, I remember playing Solitaire the on a fucking plane somewhere in the fucking jank, like, touchscreen they had on a plane. Where oh, yeah, that, wait, this is a recent story. Well, This was recent, you as an adult. Yeah, I mean, like, two years ago or yeah. three years ago. I mean, you know. but pre-COVID, It was just It was just so funny because there was a glitch in the game such that it the, the Solitaire would break. And, like, you couldn't do, like, right, you yeah. couldn't take. I remember showing this to Atlanta, but, like. I should be able to take this card and put it up in this pile right now, mm -hmm. right? Do you understand, Solitaire? What's going on? So anyways, all I can rec say to you is that there's... I played a lot of Solitaire as a card game as a kid with my grandmother and moving to a computer that is broken, <laughs> that I can't just <laughs> physically move the card up there was the most frustrating experience of my life. So be careful playing Solitaire in between um, rounds of Hades. Unless you have a good version of Solitaire, you might go insane. A good version, for instance, the one on Windows back in the day where it would shoot cards in this weird repetitive pattern across the screen. That was cool. Oh, the best. The best. 
Speaking of the best, we're going to get the fuck out of here. Because this has been a good episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining yeah. us. Yeah. Whew. All right. Enjoy yourselves. Take care of one another. Drink some water. So Go much to water, guys. Going. It's hot out. <laughs> Go <Yeah>. to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right.